0: Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynne, and welcome to the Walker Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen where today we have something a bit special and we're speaking to someone who's had a couple of spells at the club during some fantastic times for Sunderland. As a player he played for the likes of Birmingham City, Walsall, Blackpool as well as with... Sunderland royalty at York City which I'm very much uh, looking forward to getting into uh, and then after hanging up his boots he became one of the most respected coaches in the game who ended up as the manager of Sunderland just over a decade ago. Uh, today we're very pleased to be speaking to none other than Ricky Spurger. Hello Ricky.
1: Hi hey Chris thanks so much for
0: the invite. Yeah looking forward to it thanks again for joining us how are you keeping?
1: I'm good in general I'm good I think I've been about three years now at the game you know, so um, I've done forty-seven years, and it's been a long time. It's been a long time traveling, to be honest with you. So, I thought it was a bit time to come out of it and stay at home and spend some time with my wife.
0: Yeah, when you say when you say home now, is that is that around the York area now?
1: Yeah, I've always lived here. I've, I've lived here since about eighty-two. But like we moved yeah. when I obviously went to Birmingham. We uh, married in uh, seventy-six and lived in Birmingham. Then we um, I joined Walser, uh, but still could commute. You know, um, so I commuted there with a, a player called Roy McDonough, who used to be a centre-forward at, at, at They bought They actually bought it, two of us. And then I got a free transfer, which you, you never really want. And then Alan Ball picked me up at uh, Blackpool. So we moved to Blackpool. I had two years there, and then I, I moved to York City in '82, the And then we then set up a home here. So when, when I stopped playing in general... Um, are two girls at a time were doing education which is really important to us so the decision was that I would travel and uh, the the family would stay at home and the the girls could stay at their own school so um yeah. so I've be, been doing that since um related to like, I came to Sunderland 94 from 94 onwards I've always been seen to be travelling so I think it's a bit time to give it a rest
0: yeah I mean, a be- beautiful part of the world i, I love york but uh, but yeah I, I mean when we were talking the other day you you mentioned you you, you, you know on the odd occasion bump into the the Gabardini brothers and a, and a few others around the area.
1: Yeah, I mean Gabbers is uh, they've, they've got an old York boys now on Instagram. It's run by Andy Mike, <laughs> so um a lot a lot of the players have joined that, uh, and, and Ricardo's joined that. Uh, Marco's joined that. Uh, Ma- Marco had um, um a hotel um mm. just at Allgate Bridge, but he's actually sold it now, and, and so did Ricardo with his mom and dad. But they, uh Ricardo's bought a smaller place near. They've got theirs at Fulford. So I bump into Marco. And the last time I bumped in was probably about a year ago, uh, I bump into him. So uh, lovely lad, good player, yeah. you know, and uh, I've got a lot of time for the so I've got a lot of time for the family because the family have yeah. been absolutely great. And then, um, so now and again, I just bump into people. And so, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't recognise them. Some, some will be young <laughs> apprentices I had back in 82. <laughs> You know, and maybe 80, 86 when it became because although I knew them then, but uh, mm. yeah, so it's been. It's good. York's a lovely place. I, I don't get any hassle, which is important to me, and I can go out and enjoy myself and uh, and then uh, enjoy lo- the lovely city, what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, obviously, in the, in the introduction, I mentioned uh, some of your clubs during your your playing days. Um, I mean, you, you told me a story before uh, we recorded um, the other day about. Um, you know, you were talking to your grandson about about what you would what you actually did as a footballer, <laughs> and that that you were a footballer. But I mean, it, it, you know, being such a highly regarded coach in the game and doing what you've done on that side, do you think a lot of people forget that you were a player? Yeah, I
1: probably was a better coach than a player. I, I, I didn't do bad as a player. I um, I made my debut, I think, I was eighteen. I mean against Leeds United when Brian Clough, maybe nineteen. Brian Clough was a manager. Uh, we lost one 0 when Alan Clark scored. And then ne- the next day I sort of dislocated my fibula. Um, and so I was out for about 20 odd weeks, 25 weeks, and never really recovered from it, to be truthful with you. Mm. Um so I probably played off and on about 40. i had been putting subs, but mm. I felt I needed to play. I needed to play week in, week out. I, I didn't mind early part of my age playing at the football combination. But then I had a goal to. To try and play in the first team, you know, and it was restricted because there was better centre backs than me. The two older ones were Roger Hind and John Roberts. Who John Roberts was the Welsh international captain. And he was like Gath, and Roger wasn't far off it, you know. So, um and then Joe Gallagher was there, and you know, so I, I got offered a two-year contract in '78 uh, through Jim Smith, and I asked him if it would be possible could I, I go out, you know if there was a possibility a club would show interest. And, and I signed a contract and within about three months, they, they sold me to Walsall, which was great for me because um, I wanted to play first-team football. I was, I was at age probably 22 and I needed to play, you know, and uh, I needed to test myself, to be honest with you. But <clears throat> my early part of Birmingham, maybe 17, 18, I, I did a preling coaching badge and it was part of the apprenticeship we had. And uh, Mick Bailey took us from Wolverhampton, an old midfield player. And I can remember um having my test and I was doing shooting. Can remember doing shooting and then it was just this mud where and you know, I made a goal that's bent and all that. And then I turned around and just seen all these kids running, all ages, all sizes, and thought, oh my <laughs> god, what am I gonna do? <laughs> you know, this is I've never yeah. been in this situation before. And it was never I could, but I managed just about to get through to it. And then from yeah. then on. A friend of mine, I don't know, if it was, it had asked me to coach one of his teams. We, I used to go with Paul Hendry and and like called Jimmy Calderwood, uh, and they they came down from Scotland. And um, one of their friends asked me to do some coaching for the team, so I said, "Yeah, okay." So I did it, and I did it in a place called Broadway Moor. I did it there, and um, I did about seven eight weeks, and it was good because it got me out at night. You know, instead of being in the digs, I thought it well, was a bit different, meet people and all that. You know, and. I got a bit more experience in coaching. But what I didn't realize, Chris, that he worked for Ansel's. So <laughs> my payment was uh was uh, beer vouchers, my payment. And uh I was the most popular man in the Broadway pub. <laughs> get, and there was about, about 12 of us. I never drank at that time. I didn't drink till probably 2021, 20, but um and then um I used to put the they like bingo tickets. I used to put them behind the bar and the barman knew all. And I used to say, when the lads come in, just give them whatever they want. And so that's what happened. And from then on, I used to get these raffle ticket, beer tickets, you know, and we we used to go to Broadway, you know, and i just put it down. I'd, I'd probably have a Coke at the time and they I think it was uh, snake bikes. I think it was Cider, Lager, yeah. the one at the time. So so I was popular until I I thought, well, that's it. I think I'll, I'll need to focus a bit more on myself.
0: <laughs>
1: but I was popular. It was the first time I think I'd been really popular with everybody in the pub pop- that I knew. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was quite good. It was a good experience. But that probably 72 it was 73 is probably my first time I did coaching. So but yeah. as a player I went to also, I did well for two years. Did really well at York. Blackpool, I got an Achilles injury, which you don't actually sort of think of. You just don't think of injuries. And then I just thought, then, you know, what am I going to do? And I got, I, it came to a situation when it had the old um, transfer thing. I think it was about March. You know, it started out that it stopped in March. And, I remember, nine of us getting in. Willie Morgan, the old United player, was at Blackpool, um, mm. and been told that the club are really struggling, and would we have their contracts paid up? And, and so we all agreed. Um, and uh, I played. We played for his could Can play for the first team then. And then, uh, then thinking, what we're going to do? You know exactly what we're going to do after football. You know, and um, sent away. Got got a reply from Hong Kong. Uh, got a reply from. Um, Rochdale and I got a reply from York City Hmm. you know so it was um, I was going to be a red coat at at Pontins which was only (laughs) about 10 minutes away from my house Uh, I just couldn't see me doing that at which I I (laughs) But yeah so uh, there was that side of it you know and you you know you get your family and I thought I'll go in the pub trade I'll do that I did two years at Tetley but that was hard work that was really hard work and I couldn't see my family the girls dealing with that either or my wife so yeah. I uh, focus more on the coaching. No, unfortunately for me, I, I managed to pass my badges, managed to pass my yeah. badges, and then um, and, and been lucky, really just been really lucky in, in getting a job. You know, and, and Dennis Smith did fantastic for me in 86 when he offered me a lap player coach. But I, you, you can't play and coach the young players. You just can't do it. You've either got to focus on one. So I've asked him, like, can I go coaching? I What well, he didn't tell me, he was going to half my wages. He didn't say that to me. He says, ah, okay, that sounds a good idea," you know. So I wasn't paid much. <laughs> so I think it was. Then, then, Dennis was the first one to really give me a job. York
0: City, yeah, and I mean, j- just in terms, of, like you said, those injuries coming through, um, because, um, like you said, you you were at Birmingham with some big names like Trevor Francis and Howard Kendall when you first went there, and and then you made that move to to Warsaw, and and I was wondering, and I was just kind of looking looking at it before, was it was it um, Alan Ball who signed you for for Blackpool?
1: Yeah, it was Alan Ball, and, and um, we, um, I think Warsaw bought Roy and I for about forty. Um, I think Roy was still there, and then um, Alan Buckley was a manager at Walsall. Everything was okay, and then yeah. uh, he didn't offer me a contract. No, he did, he did offer me a contract, but then it basically said I was a club, club quite interesting So uh, I went and spoke to Alan Ball, who, who was fantastic. Um, you know, when you talk, <laughs> you talk about things. You know, you say like, like what are we going to ask for, and what do you think I'm worth?" Yeah. and and everything you ask for your wife probably turns around and say oh you should have asked someone you should have asked what, <laughs> well, what, what, what was strange about is when when we went to see an Allen Ball, I went in to talk about my my deal um, and they offered me two years which which was great uh, and the money was good everything was good about it well, <laughs> he brought my wife Joan in and uh, she he said to her uh, and what do you think <laughs> she just she didn't know what to say <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, he did say to he turned around and said to look if you're happy with it, then everything's okay. You know, we'll, we'll do the deal. And she went, yeah, I'm fine. Everything was okay that way. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the first time she's really been put in the spot by her manager, a manager about my wages. Uh, but um, yeah, so it, it, it was fantastic, Alan Bollard. And we had Ted McDougall, who was uh, the the coach, and Ted was fantastic. There, there, there was, obviously, there's always that trouble in the background with the chairman and things like that. But we, you don't quite, you read it, we don't quite actually see it. Uh, but um it was great, you know, and they said with Dennis at York, Viv Busby at York, Viv, at York. viv, viv was, was fantastic and Dennis in the morning used to split us all up, Chris. He used to split us up and he'd so sort you of, go, Okay, uh split yourselves up, get into two groups, some years with Viv, the rest years with me, you know, after we viv ever So everybody would go to Viv. <laughs> Dennis used to pull everybody back right, McPhail, you get in, you're a defender Ricky, you get back, hey, you get back Stevie Senior, you're a couple of to think oh god, because Dennis was lovely but boring Viv had a sparkle about him loved little things, little football that. Dennis was like running a little bit getting the exercise done so everybody, so I eventually I think Dennis stopped that <laughs> he just said, right, you half, you with me that has to be but uh, yeah, but
0: they were lovely. They were lovely people, and I learned a lot from them as well. Well, I think you were only—I mean, I was—I was looking back. I might be wrong, but I think you were only about twenty-six when when you joined York. And obviously, a lot of Sunderland fans are going to be familiar with with, with Dennis Smith. But um, I think he was only appointed a couple of months before you arrived as well. So, I mean, in terms of him replying to your your letters, in you know that you sent to a few clubs, um, I mean. Could you see that Dennis Smith was trying to build something and getting some kind of good coaches? You know, you know, replying to the likes of yourself, if Busby was there. Could you see what he was trying to build?
1: Yeah, I think when I got there after a while, you know, the people he brought in, I mean, there's a great story about that because uh, when we lived in Blackpool, Rochdale had offered me far more in New York City and, and uh, more years in my contract. But so I went up there, I spoke to them, and then Three days later, they asked me to go up again to speak to Rochdale. So um, I went up, and, and I'll be honest with you, I went up the M62, came off at of the Rochdale, sending but round the roundabout back on the M62 back to Blackpool. I did. Um, and my wife, Joan, said to me, God, that was quick. I said, I couldn't go. I just couldn't go, you know. And I don't know why. I just, maybe I was thinking just a thought of Rochdale and Spotland and things like that. I just couldn't go. And I know Dennis had offered me sort of, typical Dennis would offer you three months, six months. Dennis, you know, so I said to him, look, i still offered me two years, I've offered me a sign on for you, I can wait that, I don't mind, I don't have a problem with that. So, knowing Dennis being so really kind-hearted, he offered me a year. So <laughs> I, went, I went for the year uh, and then obviously um, uh, I played with Dennis, I played alongside Dennis um, who, who was fantastic and uh, the place was bubbly, the chairman, it was Michael Sinclair was the chairman, uh, it was um, Mr. Webb, there was Barry Swallow, there was Mr. Howe and there, were, there were fantastic board members they come in. It was a right family atmosphere. And then obviously McPhail came and Alan Hay came. But the, mm. the thing about Dennis, Dennis had been there as a player coach. So Dennis mm. knew what was there and what he needed. He needed, you know, it was probably six months before he became manager. So had Bernie up front, who, who was exceptional, was an exceptionally good player, and Gavi Ford and big Keith Wall went up front mm. you know and Mally Crosby my God it's like suddenly all over Mally Crosby yeah. in, the, in midfield <laughs> and he brought in Sean Haslegrave and Stevie Senior so the back four was like meets was Chris Evans who used to be at Arsenal and Stoke Chris came as me Chris and John McPhail and Ali here were the back four um, but um, we, we did well the first year did really probably better than what Dennis thought and then the second year it just went for us we he brought in, I think he brought in a couple more, you know. So it was the Burnley was still The Burnley was terrific. Keith wall and Burnley were a fantastic pair. And, and so was Ford. And then the doll the Polly, Pollard in there as well. And um, but everybody, what he did, we used to go out on a Tuesday, we were told to go out on a Tuesday afternoon. We used to run in a Tuesday, a really hard session on a Tuesday. And it was compulsory, we had to go to the Bootham Tavern to have a few pints. So we used to be there for about half one. So then you're talking about 1983, 84, you're talking about this and then, yeah. um And then after that, the younger players would go somewhere else and the older players would probably go home. <laughs> if anything, <let's> say. <laughs> but we'd, somewhere would be out to two in the morning, we'd go home about eight, the sort of older ones, we'd go about eight. and then, But it was compulsory, we had to go and it, it gave us a bond, a really good bond. We got to know each other and they all gel together. And as a unit, they went out together, you know, and... Um, I can't really mind in the dressing room anybody having a go at anybody. It was always positive. We knew we'd make mistakes or we didn't do it as well. We knew all that. Dennis did, but um, and then Mali came in as a youth team coach as well. And then here's another one for you, Roger Jones, goalkeeper. Yeah, in goal, goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah you know, so it, the, the the experience of people who played in Division One at the time or the Premier, the Division One, yeah. who were free transfers. And then, but uh, at that age of 25, 26, 27, and they still had a number of years ahead of him. And, and he'd done really well, to He was super like that and well backed by, I'd say, Mr. Sinclair. Colin Webb yeah. um, did a youth, he, he was fantastic as well. So it was lovely, you know, lovely. And I think Dennis was a bit surprised when we ran away with the league, you know, And yeah. uh, but there was always that thought we'd never lose. Just never lose, and then if somebody get injured, somebody else came in and just done done it for us, you know. So I think I played somewhat like fifty five games. I, I missed the last game because I, I I took a booking in my second last game. Uh, lad was going through, and I thought I'm bringing them down, you know. And we got a one oneer that day, um, and then uh, I missed the last game. So, but it was worth it. It was actually worth it. But uh, yeah, it, it was all the other clubs I had, Chris. It was fantastic.
0: Yeah. well i mean just just cuz i mean some of the listeners might be uh, you know jumping on wikipedia and trying to look at the seasons <laughs> i mean i was just i was just going to think you know your first season you just missed out promotion second season like you say, running away with it you are actually the first team in history in the football league to get over 100 points which is always yeah. going to be the answer always going to be the answer to a fantastic quiz question um you know, along the down the years. But uh but like you say, I mean, you you've rattled off so many names there. Roger Jones, Martin Crosby, Viv Busby, oh. John Byrne, John McPhail, Alan Hay, but all you know, all those names that you rattled off are all people who went on to either work for or play for Dennis Smith later on. I mean i mean you talked about that you know, that, that atmosphere and obviously winning games does that, but it's incredible how many how many of those squad members went on to work with Dennis Smith further down the line. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean Dennis knew all their um, all their antiques of it and all that, but they, they were exceptionally good players. I mean John Byrne for me was you know he'd been to York. I can remember getting in the first year and he was he was worried he might get a free transfer. And I think Dennis reassured him says don't be so silly. You're one of my main men. You know and he was you know for goals and things like that and his ability and to give you a little smile. They liked a couple of beers after. We we, we always, after the game, went for a couple of beers. All the families would mix all, you know, things. It was a different age group from 26 to maybe. Roger was 50. Well, he he didn't say he was 50. He was probably about 30. Roger 35. But but we all mixed. Then got to know their wives and all that. You know, and um, but the bond was there. And, And Dennis, we'd only something like 18 players. I think it was something like that. We didn't get a lot of injuries and you know, we just we just had this. We we knew anything up front would score goals for us, and we knew at the back with Roger at the time that uh, we would hardly concede. We just didn't give in much away, and Mike, Mike was a good player. John Mike was a good player. You know, where I used to talk to John quite a bit. You know, just to guide him into positions. You know, just but uh, then Alan Hay was left peg on. But, but it was like it got to a stage where we never ever thought we'd lose. And that was probably after eight games, ten games, because of what happened the following year. And there wasn't a lot of changes.
0: Well, that's it. When you went up to Division 3, um, you, you were actually pushing for promotion in Division 3 as well, which was incredible at the time. But it was it was the FA Cup where the, the kind of big headlines came. 1984-85, um, um, fourth round, you beat Arsenal 1-0. I think you might have beat Walsall in the third round. But if that wasn't yeah. enough, in the fifth round... You drew, well, clearly, you know, 1984, yeah. 1985. That, you know, that Liverpool team were, were unbelievable. And they came to York and you managed a 1-1 draw where you came from behind. Um, Ricky Sprague <laughs> scored, oh, the, scored the equal. <laughs> yeah, scored the equaliser and for, forced the replay. But you, you don't see enough, because I, I was watching all the highlights of that game earlier, and you don't see enough of these sort of cup games in the modern game. But... I mean, that, that must have been one that was just incredible to be part of. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think um, everything about it, the, you know, the weather before the week, the game, and, and the fans obviously putting straw on the, the pitch. And, <laughs> and and Dennis, to be honest, I can remember that week, we didn't really speak about Liverpool. It was mainly about us. How could we cope with it? We knew they were world-class players. We knew they were exceptional, the best, probably best in Britain at that time. And But we, we, we just got on. We had a plan, which we played every game. And um, but first, I think Sean Haswave and, and Marley Crosby just sat in front of us, and they did protect us from Diglison and, and Rush, you know. And um, but they did they, so many great players. But the weather, the pitch itself, benefited us because of uh, it was a little bit hard. Uh, and it's the first time, Chris. I'll be honest, with you, I wore leather studs. You know, it was the very first time we, we wore leather studs, we were told to wear well them because the, the, the pin and the stud gripped the, the ground better than okay. uh aluminium studs, which were really slippy. Um and then we they went one up and uh go back to one-one. And um I was just fortunate it was the right place at right time. First one I shot I, I hit the bar. I think Keith hit the bar with header, Keith Walwin, and then I yeah. think Monty had one off the line and just rebound for me and I just pulled, I never scored with my left peg, but I just thought not would poke it and have a look at it. But yeah, I was fortunate. I'd just been at the right place at the right time, scoring the goal and, you know, just, you know, everything about it, the atmosphere. I mean, we get hit with a bottle. Can remember a Guinness bottle? Getting get hit with a Guinness bottle. Uh, as we were all crowding <laughs> in the six-yard line, which we should never have done. That was a little bit. But um, it, was just, it was just phenomenal. It was just great. And then on the Sunday, I met Ian Rush on the Sunday um they asked her for a photo Sean, and i met her and he, he was absolutely fantastic really great and we knew yeah. we knew when we were going to anfield it was going to be completely different we knew that you know and um but on the night we um we did celebrate we did have a few beers as a team and enjoyed it enjoyed it because it might never happen again that you know so why not enjoy it at that time yeah. and we did that and uh, we back in on Monday, and I think we played Liverpool on the Tuesday or Wednesday. It was that week and, and Lost 7-0. <laughs> so it was, yeah. uh, <laughs> it was an experience. But no, everything was great. The crowd were great. The the dressing room um, after the game was fantastic, you know, and the, the the gelling of it was always, and there was a belief, you know, we that we we'd give people a good game. You know, we'd give them we'd all we'd never pack in and we were big hearts and we were very honest. You know, and we we yeah. um, we achieved what we wanted to do. We'd love to beat Liverpool, but we, we achieved to go back there and get get the, the club more money to invest in players. You know, and and obviously do the the stadium up as well. And so we, we achieved that. Yeah. I think I got ten pound. Yeah. I think we got a ten pound uh, bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was worth it, but there we go. Uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was fantastic. And then obviously, you know, you. It's living else, you know. People say, "Oh, I'm just now." But at the end of the day, it was it was all it, was all, it got a draw. It was every one of yeah. us and our belief that we could get something from the game.
0: I did wonder because I like I said I watched the highlights and and also the highlights actually. I mean, I, I remember you had a fantastic game um, against Sunderland, but um, Keith Walwyn was a real handful for, for Liverpool that day. He was he was fantastic. But I was gonna say, did, did he say anything? Because you just pipped him to to, to poking the ball home when, when you actually see Yeah,
1: well <laughs> I think it's just like you don't actually you score and you think what do you do? I'll have a run to the left. Being like a monk <laughs> and then get hit with a bottle off of Liverpool something. No I think when Monty came over and they Sean and the old, up. It was just I think it was a relief to get back into the game with the belief that mm. anything could happen with us We we yeah. could have won it. You know, it was a chance we could win it. But we could have lost the game as well. But um I sure I, I've watched it a couple of times. I've got a nice photo somewhere in the attic and <laughs> me striking the ball. Um and I think I scored 17 goals in my career. I think it was it wasn't many, but that was to be, any doubt that was the most important one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not surprised. Um, yeah, and and then as you say, you, you go on, I mean, look York are impressed in the third division. And then in, in your um in your well, I think it was your final season as a player at the beginning of the season when Sunderland, um they, they dropped down and and we drew actually we we were in the second division and Laurie McMenemy was managing. We drew York yeah, City in the first nice. round of the League League Cup. And you you were part, part of the York side. That one four two at Roker Park, and i mentioned I mentioned Keith Walwyn and Keith Walwyn took us apart that night, and there was there was just over nine thousand there, but what were your memories of, of playing at Roker Park that night? Well, I,
1: I'd never ever played at Roker Park, and it's steeped in history, you know, and mm. it was just absolutely fantastic, you know on his day, Keith could be a, was a world beater, Keith, mm. you know, but you know when you go there and you, you, you they all stand out in the middle and you have a little chat and you have a look around and it's really just to get. The dressing room ready for you know the strips and get the boots out and all that and you have a lot of chat, and you look at it and think, My god, there's some history here, you know, with the banks up, you know, the supporters are going to be there, and they're very passionate, the Sunderland people, and but they just couldn't deal with Keith that day, you know. And that that surprised me a little bit, Chris, because I thought Dennis would have bought Keith outing because of what he did for him, you know, over the, mm-hmm. the three or four years, and, and yeah. still could do that. Uh, but when you get players like John and that up there as well, and technically we were decent. You know, we weren't these one of these teams that just like Cambridge hit the corners. It's very sandy; the ball on no bounce. And let's get a long throw and go from there. We we played and we played down the side of people, and um, well, the atmosphere was great. If you said to me we came away with a win, I and mean, we were talking about a draw. You know, it'd be nice to get a draw and bring them back to our place. You know, and win there, but. I think on the night everything went well for us, and mm. we played above our own standards. But we were exceptional, really exceptional. And, and Wall, big Keith was out in
0: this world, yeah, yeah, he was he was fantastic. And and actually, that night we mentioned him early on, but a young Marco Gabardini came on as substitute <laughs> that night. I think he was, I think he was only e eighteen or something like that. And obviously, Dennis took him to 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 Sunderland. But I mean, he was pretty raw even when he came to Sunderland. But did you see? It, that it was obviously he had potential at that stage
1: yeah he, he was accept- he could score goals which was a massive plus and and it was a bit of arrogance about Markel, but it was a nice mm. arrogance you know he would listen he was very highly educated as well You wouldn't think that maybe it was <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just, just how he played and all that and um, it never got to him it didn't worry him at all about coming on or anything like that you know because he had total belief in what he could do and, um, you know, I, I think for me, that Eric Gates, I am mean, maybe just jumping a wee bit here, but Eric Gates made Marco Gabadini. you know, mm. because of his positional no, and he probably talked to Marco about playing off him and running off him, but there was always potential. And then and, and Christine and, uh, would have been there at a time, and, and we, we were taking Ricardo in as well. Ricardo we kind of always similar, you know, so mm. maybe Marco had a little bit more noose about the. Uh, uh, the way he played and uh, believed a little bit more in what he had, you know, and he wasn't following anybody. Where R- Ricardo, you know, we say Ricardo, people talk about Marco, but Ricardo was was decent as well. Was an exceptionally good player.
0: I think it was the the season after nineteen eighty seven. I think when you when you kind of hung up your playing boots, but uh, it, it was around the same time that Dennis Smith left to to take the Sunland job. And he was replaced by Bobby Saxon, and obviously yeah. you had that. You had that role under Dennis Smith. I mean, was there a, was it a concern that it wouldn't continue under Bobby Sexton? Was there a conversation there that you know you had to have with Bobby Saxon to, to continue? Yeah,
1: I, th- I think what happened. I think Dennis, more than likely Dennis, had probably thought he you know he'd done enough for the club. He couldn't really go any further. And and mm. when a, when a club lets Sunderland call, you can't refuse them. You just can't refuse them, and. Um, and possibly, I, th- I was thinking that maybe the game we played in the League Cup maybe yeah. got the job as well. You know, they've seen that and seen what he's got. And they're not big names. We did no big names. And, and we beat Sunderland in. The end. But um, um, I, th- I think the big concern was that it was breaking up. Things were breaking up. Players were wanting to leave. Bernie was wanting to leave. Fordy they went to Leicester. Their contracts yeah. were up. And uh, I think they wanted to go outside and see what it was like. You know, get away from home and... Um, and test ourselves again, and um, but then the mass ed- ex- ex- exodus happened. With you know, uh, Viv left, and then uh, Roger went, and then Maui went, and then um, and the players went. Yeah, you, know, you can understand that. You can understand a lot. Probably the chairman at the time I may mean, have not enjoyed it, but I mean that's football. That's how it is. Because I mean, there'll be times in your life where the chairman makes a decision he doesn't want you, lets you go. You know, and um, so it works the other way as well but I thought they went up there and I thought they were the right people to do that and the good thing about them was that they were all very close to each other and they all although they had opinions, they all would back Dennis, which you need you know, you just need that you need somebody, you you want to have an opinion you might disagree with them but at the end of the day the manager makes that final decision and then you stay by that, I don't moan about it after, you know you have your opinion there but I think Sunderland did really well to get
0: them all. Yeah, because it it wasn't the done thing then to take a management team, was it? Really, it was.
1: You know, <laughs> not,
0: and and I think I'm I'm sure because we've we've done we've done an interview with um, uh with with Dennis Smith and he was talking about you know you know Bob Murray not wanting to pay compensation to York for Dennis Smith and then not wanting to pay compensation for the coach and stuff as well. So it was a, it was kind of a leap of faith almost to take a management team because that, that was pretty rare back then. Yeah,
1: and, and, and I think, as I said earlier, I think Dennis could trust what he had. He, he knew them all. He knew how hard mm. they worked and uh, they were very dedicated. And I think sometimes you bring somebody in, uh, it could be a little bit difficult for you. You don't know what he's thinking. You don't know what he's saying and what his thoughts are. And mm. Is he whispering somewhere else? So You're probably better bringing people in, You know, and you know. You don't bring them in for the sake of you bring them in. You bring them in because you know they're all good. They all mm-hmm. work hard and genuine. you know. And I think Dennis, and that's what York City had when his coaching staff was there. And I think Marley, I might be wrong, did Marley go to Kuwait in 86? Yeah, I think he went to he, Kuwait. He left. Yeah, for, yeah,
0: a year earlier, wasn't But it? They,
1: they, were, they were all great. And I was pleased for them. You know, I sometimes wonder, I wish they didn't take me. <laughs> but. <no. laughs>
0: Well, I was just about to say that you continued with, with Bobby Saxon, which must have been another part of your education because you were still quite a young coach at that time. Yeah,
1: point. but Bobby came in the first day and there was a lot left, you know, and mm. he came in, he asked to see me. I went another child he said, oh, we'll do this and do that and I'll speak to you after. I said, yeah, no problem. He said, well, we'll get them all together. And um, he says, then um, we'll probably have something like 10 aside, just have a look at them. And I think there was five pros. At the team, I said, you've only got five players, the rest are just kids, the rest are just scholars, were just brought in. And you know, and they, they, they might have been at that time, they might have been Chris Tate who came to Sunderland and Jonathan Greeny was coming through, and Murty was coming a few, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier. But Bobby, Bobby had a big stealing borrow, um, on trying to bring players in and, and go on other people's opinions. Which he just didn't have the time, I think that was the main thing. He had to get a team. He get a team of players before the season started and he only had five and he tried his socks off. Honestly, he worked hard, he was phoning people up and he was good to me. I, I had no complaints at all, you know, And because uh, it is difficult because when somebody comes in, they want to change it all, you know, and um, I just joined. But uh, he was brilliant, Bob, and I did feel really sorry for him because what all the better players, you would say, all the big players had gone, you know, mm-hmm. I like, think. Keith gone, Bernie had gone, um, Monty, Allen, you know, they'd all gone. There were about seven or eight of them had gone. You know, and some of the contracts the other ones and maybe didn't get contracts. So it was, it was a really precarious time for Cycle. And he, for me, he tried his hardest and unfortunately, um, the quality from what people were used to seeing wasn't there. I think that was it.
0: Yeah. And like that, that you said, all of those players left and, the majority of them went to went to Sunderland actually, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't until about um it was about seven years later, um that you ended up being appointed as youth team coach and Dennis Smith had long gone at Sunderland by this point. Um, we were under Mick Buxton in nineteen ninety four, um, yeah. and you kind of took took it on for a, well, from a. Kind of couple of institutions really, and Jimmy Montgomery and George Hurd who'd done it for quite a few years before that, and it was a strange time just after the 94-95 season had started. It kind of got underway. Um. So so how did that job offer come about, and kind of was it was it a no brainer at that point because you you'd been at York for you know probably what about a decade by that point? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think the main thing,
1: Chris, was that you know sometimes you're at a club, you have become part of the finisher you're just there, mm. you know. And, and and we brought some really good players. Richard Creswell, the sold. uh, Nick Culkin went to my native for 1.6. Greening went to my native 1.6. Murti went mm. to Reading for three quarters, quarters of a million. And then uh, I hadn't signed a contract for five years. You know, I just hadn't signed a contract. And, you know, and I thought, you know, and the, the final year we were top of the Northern Interest because, you know, these players had played and were winning everything. Darren Williams, there was another prime example. A player we brought in for Mask, and um, you know, you 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 know, you go there. And then I, I came in on a Friday, we were playing Holloway on the Saturday, if you remember. And, and Douglas Craig, it changed completely. Where Michael Sinclair was, was, for me, was a fantastic chairman. Douglas Craig came in, uh, but I don't think he was aware of what we did or what the people at worked for us for nothing did. I don't think he knew that. And then,
0: mm-hmm. so I,
1: I came in after training, it was about half past one, he, he, he pulled me in the chair. Secretary's office with Keith, and he said to me, uh, Just to let you know, um, there's been a little bit of interest from in someone for you. I says, All right, okay then. Um, but he says, "He says um, I've told them you're happy here. Uh, I said, Oh, hold, hold that minute here. Hold that minute. I'm happy here. I says, You haven't offered me a contract in seven years. um and you're now making a decision for me to say I'm happy and I've signed a contract. i am not signed a contract. Never, ever sent a contract here. So I says, uh, he says, Well, I've told him you're not interested. I said, well, Let me think about it. So we went to Albion M4, came back on the Monday, went in to see him. And um, I said, I'd like to talk to Soland, I'd like to talk to him, Mickey Boxing. You know, I think it's a, another step in the direction I want to go to. And uh, to be fair to make, he phoned me up on the Monday and I think he invited me to a Central League game. It was at Roker, and it was. Uh, I'm sure it was Liverpool, and it was like six o'clock at night, you know. Sort of, so I got to there and I met him in the boardroom at Rock. I walked up the stairs and bent round to the right, and he get uh, talking about his insoles, these Japanese magnetic insoles. I thought to myself. I've got a loony here you know I <laughs> want to talk about football and all that he's talking other are fantastic I've got a bit of gout and are great for me and all that not right. okay. you know and um, he said I'll tell you what I'll do I'll take you to Charlie Hurley Centre, to the training grounds so well, yeah okay okay we've got the it was pitch black I, I, I saw the gate I seen the gate and they said to me there's where we train well I couldn't see any pitches I couldn't see at all we couldn't get access into the training grounds I thought, oh my god! So came home. Um, he phoned me on the uh, the Wednesday. I watched the game, finished watched the game, went home, and um, said, "Look, this is what we're offering. Are uh, we interested?" I said, "Yeah, I'll come." You know, I'll come. Um, you need to speak to Douglas Craig, give him courtesy, and um, so Douglas brought me in the following day and um, offered me a bigger pay rise, which I said him was too late. And I uh, wanted to go to, to Sunderland. I'd made up my mind. You know, I thought I'd done my, my time And when I spoke to Dennis and Viv and all them. They, they said what a lovely place it was, you know, to work. You know, and the fans were great and the people in general were great and the staff were great. And it proved they were. But the problem, the biggest problem I had was uh, when Mick left, Peter Reed came in. Yeah. And this was in the summer. And I'm thinking, my God, I've just came here, you know, as a new manager. <laughs> God, what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, basically, you you <laughs> do worry about that? Yeah. And to be fair to Bobby, Bobby's accident came. And I don't yeah. know if it was the same day, maybe a couple of Bobby came in and they pulled me and they said to me, Ricky, I went, yeah, Bobby. He said, you're up. Okay, don't worry about it. And that was it. Yeah. You know, and um, I worked with with Monty and I worked with George herd and, you know, they were, they were lovely people. You know, there was something through and through, especially Monty. Monty. Monty, a lot of time for Monty and George. You know, George was a wee bit maybe old school. In the sense, Monty definitely had the club at heart and loved the club. and he was He's a legend. Monty's a legend, you know. And I learned from him as well. What, what I had to do, which I didn't realise, I had to do the YT books because they hadn't done them for six months. So I had to, I had to fill all these YT books up get them all up to date for us to get placements. So I thought, God, you should be landed into this one. But uh, yeah, it, it was really good. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And Peter Reid was, was, was very good. And then Grace was excellent. Brace looked after the players and the coach, the coaches. You know, he done whatever he could for you. If you had a problem, you really didn't have a problem. You know, and um, and and just things like that. And Paul Brace will speak a high level. And so is Peter Reed. And and cycle was is probably one of the best coaches I, I've ever seen working. To be honest mm-hmm. with you.
0: Yeah, you know, for working behind the scenes, a complete legend at Sunderland, but but actually it's funny because we've we talked to, you know, some players about coming through at Sunderland about that time of, you know, we talked to people like Martin Smith and, you know, people like that, Darren Holloway, and they, they all talk about Jimmy Montgomery and George Heard, you know, that at that point, being really tough to come through. It was kind of, yeah. they were t- really tough coaches. But uh, but like you said, I mean, Peter Reed came in, completely changed, just kind of, it, it almost just kind of, just his presence kind of lifted the club up. But I imagine from from your point of view, you, you know, after being given the nod to say, yep, yeah, you know, keep doing what you're doing or whatever. But I imagine it still took, um you know, kind of a new management team, you know, Peter Reed a while to sort out a new outlook and, and kind of strategy for a youth system at Sunderland. So were you just given a free licence to, to to crack on with it? Uh, or did they kind of sit down with you? Because it it, they had seven games and that was the first summer. So did you already have something in mind with how we wanted to do things? Or did you just kind of crack on with it? I just
1: cracked, what, what we did on the, the pre-season, we all joined together on the pre-season. We did this sort of 10 by 10 and sometimes 20 by 20 boxes. And it was all fun and games. You know, which was a bit different. You know, and uh, they did the running and all that. But uh, Sackle said, and so, so did Rudy said, it uh, make it enjoyable. Make sure that every day is different. You know, so Tuesday's not a running day; it might be something else. They've expecting a running day, but change it. You know, and yeah. make it interesting and get this thing about the same as my native was when I went to my native. I was told that just make sure they come in and they want to enjoy what they do, and and let them let them show what they've got, let them show the ability they've got, and Reedy really, would come to the game. Cycle would be a little bit more constructive uh, with me, you know, maybe pull me aside and he'd ask about the players and how they're doing. And and I think really his thoughts were really mainly on the first team, you know, getting that going. And um, yeah, for, for me, they, they let me go on with it, you know, in a sense. And then uh, they'd ask for players. He said to me, same as, like, Sir Alex Ferguson, they asked me if they wanted a player rock over, which player deserved to go over? You know, not what you'd probably find is that, Uh, a manager will shout, Ricky, bring so-and-so over and you think, God, he's been crap all week. He shouldn't go over. Well, they said to me, (laughs) bring a player over that deserves to be over. For me, Sackle, you know, was very interested in Peter uh, obviously had the interest, but his main thoughts were towards the first team.
0: Yeah, and, and it wasn't long after that summer, I think it was the, maybe a year later or so, when um, Pop Robson was brought in as, as director yeah. of youth. I mean, he, he's always had a he's had a fantastic reputation as a as a coach. You know, he was at Leeds, I think he was at Manchester United as well. I mean, so it was that kind of a, a big step when Sunderland brought him in as, as director of youth as well?
1: Yeah, Pop, Pop was a gentleman, really good coach and lovely man and spent time. And, you know, obviously he had a happy feeling about him. Uh, and he brought in Jim Hagan, one of the scouts from my night, who, who was fantastic as well. And I think eventually he brought in Jed McNamee, uh yeah. as one of the sort of academy coaches. Uh, but um, no, Pop, Pop was good. We, we had a good chat. I knew Pop. I actually sort of knew Pop uh, through the circuit. I'd met him and I'd spoken to him. And he's a legend again. He's a legend, Pop. Um, mm-hmm. But very quiet man, gets on with a job, you know, and, and lets him deal with it. You know, but um then he mapped out the scouting, what we needed to do. And we used to go together, you know, the three of us. was me, Jim and Pop over time. We'd go and watch games in Ireland and, and things like that. Um mm. But Pop had ideas he was bringing in from, from Manchester United as well, you know, about the, the technical side and the ball side and, you know, and uh, focusing a lot on their weaknesses. You know, like Kevin Kyle. remember Kevin being there and we did a lot of footwork with Kevin. He was like Herman Munster when he came, but yeah, um, <laughs> he, uh, he was. He, he was awful. But we used to put a, a, a rapid foot movement for him up at the top. New ideas, so you know it did work for us.
0: Yeah, and, and it was it was funny. I was looking back, and it's funny because during the Dennis Smith years, this whole like, kind of list of players came through. Um, the ranks, you know, going back to kind of Kieran Brady and David Rush and you know Brian Atkinson, whole host of players came through under Dennis Smith. And then, then there was a couple of you know two or three years where it, it was quite you know it was only you know, Michael Gray came through, Martin Smith. I mean, fantastic players, but yeah, you know, we didn't have we didn't have the numbers that we had during Dennis Smith years. And then suddenly, it it kind of popped up again around the time when Peter Reid came in because in his first season. Sam Aston broke through, Darren Holloway got a chance, Michael Bridges obviously you know, made that f- <laughs> unbelievable breakthrough. I mean, did you see yeah. straight away that we had a few that had a chance?
1: Yeah, I think they were given the opportunity, you know, and and, and what they did, and again, I think it's the two of them, Peter and um, Saka, was that uh, they picked the right time for them to go in to the squad, and they, they probably changed yeah. with the first team as well quite a bit, which, which you know, don't get as nervous and... One of the you know one of the things like, this is a big man United thing you when know, the manager used to say to you, um you know which player should go over he's, he's coming over for two weeks we so go over for two weeks or Bobby would say he's going over for two weeks and let's see how he deals with it when he comes back if he's Billy big time and he's beyond us now and, and how he deals with it and then we'd speak to him before he went you're going for two weeks and then he's he's going to test you you know you're going to play in the reserves you know and things like that I just think everything you know about it was, was and to be fair, Chris, he probably got the back in the club as well. You know, he, from the chairman and all that, you bring in a new manager and a new staff and all that, and you've got to back him. And then on the youth side, you know, Darren came and, and Bridges was a fantastic get from us, you know, because uh, I've actually got a photo on my Instagram account where he signed his first contract, you know, and he's as young as anything, you know, and uh, what a player, what an exceptionally good player. Maybe sometimes names bring people to the club, especially on the management side. You know, Peter Reed and, and maybe Cycle, and then there was obviously Pop as well, Pop Robson. That sometimes brings people to the club.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, just on that subject, just quickly about Bridges, you said you know fantastic signing, but I mean when when he first came on, you know, there, was, there was this little bit of a buzz around him. And I remember seeing him when he first came on as sub, and you saw him and you thought, you thought, blimey, you know he's kind of six stone wet through, um, <laughs> but. I mean, he, he, the the I mean, the management team, the the likes of yourself, must have just seen straight away what a talent he was to throw him in when he he looked when he, if you just looked at him, he looked like he couldn't handle first team football. You know, imagine a big centre half coming through the back of him. But I mean, God, he, he didn't half have the talent to to kind of you know <laughs> to yeah. turn up it, and, and grab a goal. Yeah, he was definitely lightweight,
1: and then obviously we're doing some work on that. But what Bridges had is really good intelligence on if you looked up as a football player, it would give you three options. Some would only give you one option, you know, and you might get a, a second one, but you wouldn't. Bridges would give you three options. He'd go away, come down short, he'd come off at an angle, you know, and things like that. And he, he would take the ball with people behind him, but he was clever enough to shift it. He knew, when that ball came, he knew roughly what he was going to do with it, you know, and he'd always, would just say to him, try and play the opposite the defender wants you to do it. So he might want you to shoot you the line, go the other way. You know, always do the opposites, you know. If you can, if he shows you line like you're clever, then then do it. But his touch was his touch was fantastic, and then he, he just had a knack for scoring again, which for forward is out of this world. And Marco had that, but it's just that bravery back to goal when when people are there. He, he's still prepared to take it, you know. And but he knows what he's going to do it before he, re, he receives it. And I think they saw. I can't remember it's saw them, but from my point of view, we'd won, I think with one argument, I can remember. Not being happy with them, we went to Doncaster in the Northern intermediates, and it was him and Darren Holloway, and they were they were poor, really really poor, and I can't remember the score And I gave him a blast, and I said to him that you know don't think you know that you're going to go in the first team and train with them, and I'm going to f- have my say and all that about that. Mm-hmm. And sods law, I got a phone call about 20 minutes later from Peter Wade saying, <laughs> "Can we get Darren Holloway, <laughs> Michael Bridges to be his assistant?" I thought, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like, oh no you know I'm telling the other players you know you've got to do the business and all these two just absolutely mucked around today, done so at all and you, you always expect but I suppose that happens they can't be just a goose but I thought it's says to, uh um, think who I was with, maybe Paul. I thought, oh, God, Paul, what have what I done? He says, I'll have don't worry about it. Really? <laughs> so I get my right, roasting. They were in the dressing room looking at me, and then about 20 minutes later, they were away with the first <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, it's life, is it? I thought, well, I'll uh, have a go on Monday.
0: <laughs> well, you can, you can pitch it as uh, some uh, fantastic reverse psychology there, you know oh god and... <laughs> but um but i mean after after that i mean you know peter reed you know we got relegated obviously but we the club really just kind of went st- from strength to strength you know we just kind of took off um peter reed was kind of bringing um you know the the, the transfer record seemed to be going year after year um but at this, at the same time you know that you know that first season those young players came through we had a small squad we needed that kind of additional help from the young players but after that you know, when you start bringing those players in and then you've got players knocking on the door, like, you know, Paul Thurwell was for a few years. We had, you know, I could rattle them off. Chris Lumsden, Mark Maley, Thomas Butler, George McCartney, Michael Prockety. You were bringing all these players through, but when the club's doing well, those chances become kind of more limited, is, is, how difficult does that make your job when there's fewer opportunities for young players in terms of keeping them motivated and, and keeping them at the club as no, well? I think it is
1: difficult. You're you, you trying to keep them there, up at the top, in a good physical condition and um, having that belief, the door open again. I think that's the big thing. But I think with the players, we spoke to them and um, and said to them, your chance will come, but you have to. Be, by that time you have to be ready for it. You know, and uh, that means you have to train well, you have to play games. The, the great thing, and, and again, Pop brought this in, was the loan system. You know, the loan system, the sense that we had to get players to play higher in the, the Central League at the time. You know, mm-hmm. so they had to go out and loan. But the, one of the stipulations we, we should have put in is that they had to play the games. with A lot of the clubs, have, bigger clubs have been in the to say, okay, you can take so and so, but you've got to play them. You know, you've got to play them in the 90 minutes, you've got to play them six and five. They watched them in my eyes. We used to watch 19 players, we'd watch them all see how they're doing, but you know, they go away, and, and, and you probably find sometimes they get dropped or they're not quite ready for it. Well, you took them alone, you took them alone to play them, not to sit on the bench or to have another number. So, we had to make sure that uh, when we did send them loan after maybe a year or so, that um, they were going to play football to benefit them, you know, to get them a career in football. You know, I would think. Sometimes you go to reserve games. It's a social thing for uh, scouts. to have a chat with each other. How have you been? What have you done? They're not really watched the game, you know. And um, you know, so you, you having to say to them like, "Going low, it's a great little move. You thoroughly enjoy it, you know. And if anything, and some of them, you'd see some of them like, been into Peter reads them, and they would say to me, uh, he won? I said, I think it's about sending you out alone. I'm not going alone. I said, you will be. Don't you worry about that. You will be going out alone. <laughs> Five minutes later, I went. Where you when you got? When you going? Yeah, I'm going today, right? Okay. I said, it's great for you. It'll be great for you. They'll play in a good standard of football. I says, what it will do to you is when people look at your record, they'll give you games. I played forty games for so and so, or thirty games for so and so. So you've got yeah. you've got experience. Where someone will say. What experience he's got? He's played 30 games for a reserve game. Yeah, but I mean, what experience he's got? We he hasn't got any uh, uh, full league, you know, so uh, that side of it comes into it. But it's, some of them, you, you have to say to them, you know, when you go to a club, stay at the club. Although you're a sunder player, you're not really a Sunday player. Say it was Hull. We've we, we done a deal with Hull in York City with Michael Broctor. Michael went to York. Um, okay, you go there, you train every day. You don't come back and train here because you, you, you're a loan club. You know, and give it everything you get, and then we'll follow you, we'll speak to you, we'll get in touch with you, see how things
0: are, and how's your digs and things like that. So they're, they're okay that way. Yeah, and, and I mean, and then a few years later, I mean, you, you make the step up to, to, to taking the reserve team, and it's amazing to say now, and probably, you know, younger fans might not not quite believe us when we say that. For reserve games at the stadium light, we were getting thirty thousand for reserve games um during that that kind yeah. of period i mean the club was just unbelievable. it was only going in one direction. It was an amazing time to be a, a sunland fan, but it looked you know under under kind of peter Reid and Bobby Saxon. it just looked like everyone was in it together um i mean was it just a great time to be involved in the club working behind the scenes uh because we had some great characters at the club throughout that whole period as well.
1: Oh. No, you don't have to sell me. I know that. Um, yeah, I mean, I can remember it was their team. I think it was Alex Ray and Nicky Somerby was playing and uh, John Mullen maybe at the time. And, and uh, to drive them on, you know, because they weren't happy. About they weren't about the first team, you know. And I can remember Nicky Somerby coming on Saturday morning. He used to say to me, every Saturday morning. He says, Ricky, uh, no, sorry, Friday. He says, I won't be in tomorrow. I said, oh, why is that, Nicky? Um, I've got a funeral this Was the first time I went, yeah, okay, no problem at all, you know. And really went, Who's into one? I said, Oh, Nicky's not here, he's if you know. He went, "Ah, oh, okay, that's fine. And then next Saturday, he came and said it again, so I gave him a benefit of doubt. And then the third Saturday came again, I thought, All right, okay, then I said, I'm going to tell you something, Nicky. Went, I said, I'd be hating to be related to you the way things are going. And you're <laughs> well, but to be fair to him, I used to say to him, Look, you know, come and train do a wee bit extra Friday, train Friday, I'll give you a wee bit extra, a wee bit of running, a wee bit with the ball work and all that, you can have Saturday off. You know, I don't mind that, you know, because you're a senior player and I have to trust you. Alex would be the same, but not as but Alex would come in, but you just didn't know what Alex Ray's temper would be, you know, who he was and how he was fixed, and I <laughs> think, oh God. But I used to say to him before the game, he used to be morning, I should be in the first team, I should be doing this, and I said, okay, then, I said, look, I used to get a sheet of paper and I said to him, look, there you go, all these ones are not happy. There's 30 scouts watching you tonight. So you've got a choice. Either go, walk around, they don't bother you. Or if you want to move, you've got a great chance of getting the move if you do the business tonight. And, and to be fair to him, Chris did. you had no complaints. But, you know, some days they come in and they weren't well for training. I'd have to say to him, go in and get yourself injured. You build your armstrings so on. I'd bring him out, train him for a couple and say, go and see the physio and just see your thighs tight. So just little things <laughs> like that. But you know, they, they were good. They were really good. And then I, I helped them as much as I physically had because because at the end of the day, they're senior players and yeah. you know, and uh, they look at the first team and think I should be playing the first team and there's probably somebody in there better than them. But uh, there was some odd and, and strange things we had to do with them to to pacify them, but in general,
0: they were really good. Yeah, I was. I going to say because you you've done all that with the kind of young players, and you can obviously see young players develop and all this sort of stuff. Was was that was that a step you wanted to take with the reserve team? Because it, it sounds like more kind of kind of man management, kind of aggravation rather than development players.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. It was a form of development, I said With the sense that possibly I, I would know what's coming through the youth side, and but there's a different way to treat a young player. To treat a senior pro, you know, but you can see a senior, senior pro, and you say to him, "Look, maybe consider doing this." Don't say, "I want you to do that," because <laughs> they chew my head off. They tell me, to "Go and get." I've won so many medals, so I tried to do it <laughs> that way. And, but most, most of them were decent. I, I didn't have any. I had a bit of laugh, a bit of banter with them, and, and uh, but I, I got to know them because. Previously, they were mainly always with the first team. And Bobby would say, Look, you've got five going to play in the reserves on uh, Monday or Thursday. And I said, Oh, yeah, that's fine, Bob. But you're going to stop the progress that these five young boys were playing. Uh, So, what I'd say to the the senior players, I said, said, Go out there. And I know you're not happy being here. I know that. I know when Bobby turns around and says, You five are playing tonight, you're not happy. I know that. But what you have to remind you're stopping somebody else's career by taking a position tonight. And then, so go and do the business, then get yourself in the first team. Then I can bring this young player. And the young player can see how professional you are and your mannerism and how disciplined you are. And and they were, to be honest with you. So there was that that side as well. But it's that fear of progression that your reserves gets choked up with senior players that you're you're stopping maybe, you see your Tommy Butler's, your Brendan McGill's, your Kevin Kiles. You're stopping all them coming up. And they're ready to come up. And the other ones are probably ready to go in the first team or leave you know but no I mean I still keep in touch with Alex who, who's fantastic you know I do, I do speak to Alex through Instagram and all that and uh, he, he was great to be around he was funny and great and uh, but sometimes playing your sympathy a little bit but, uh, <laughs> every time he played it, he, he did the business that, that, that's what yeah. I can say so yeah. it was that same
0: and 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 then in october 2002 it kind of well after a year or so you could see things were breaking up and then and like i said in october 2002 peter reed was sacked and we appointed howard wilkinson uh, and then about a month later um if you thought managing the Sunderland reserve team was difficult you get the job to take the Manchester United reserve team. Um, and they're at their height of their powers almost. You know, they won the Premier League seven out of their previous ten seasons. It was only two years or three years, I think, after they completed the treble. Um, I can't imagine that was a difficult decision to make, especially because almost that golden period at Sunderland, it, it kind of come to an end at that point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was happy, uh, Chris, with um, Howard and um, Dave Codd. I was happy with it yeah. because it brought me more into the first team and, I became sort of training with them and um, we actually played Manchester United on the Thursday and I was talking to Mick feeling before the game and uh, he he was just saying like, I'm really tired and, you know, I'm doing a lot of jobs. And I said, well, what are you doing? And he said, "Um, well, I do the first team and I'm I'm having to do the reserves because they're they're trying to get a reserve coach in. So I went, all right. So normally, (laughs) because I don't tend to phone people. You know, I just think oh, I'll send the CV in and if I get it, I get it. If I don't. But I, I phoned a friend of mine's, and I says, look, it was Mick uh I've known really well. and I've known since uh, the early part, maybe '94s. And I says to Mick, could you find out, uh, he was an agent. I said, could you find out if Man United are doing interviews for doing the, the for the reserve team job? So he says, would you be interested? I said, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a chat. So he came back next day and he says, uh, yeah, they're doing all, they've done three. And uh, you can have yours on Thursday. I went, oh God! I, don't know. I said that'd be <laughs> nice. He said, yeah. So Alex Ferguson will talk to you on Thursday about it. So I got it. Oh God, I think it was half half four in the morning. I didn't I didn't meet him at half six at Carrington. But the strange thing was, we're off in the morning at Sunderland and training in the afternoon. Mm. So um, we spoke to him. I had a bit two hours with him. He knew everything about me, Chris. Knew everything about where I came from, my background, my family, <laughs> my career. He mentioned Jonathan Greening. they mentioned Nick Culkin, who was sold for 3200000 Uh, million. We'd actually played Manchester United, was at York City in the FA Youth Cup. It may have been near enough the quarterfinals. They beat us 5-0, Old Trafford, mm. with all the big names. And and he came and he, he says, well, well done. He says, we thought you'd come out and just kicked us. I just said, no, i try and play football. Well, maybe not technically as good as yours, but we, we do try. You know, to, I thought of maybe taking them up another level. So um had my interview, uh, said to me, I've got one interview to do on Friday, then I'll give you a phone. Well, we went to Liverpool and I think we drew nil-nil. Yeah, I think we drew nil-nil at Liverpool. They had about 70 shots of goals or 60 and we <laughs> had one. And We it was backs against the wall, and I, kept, I was on the bus. it was pleased at this point, we couldn't get away with it. We think, God almighty, you know, but we got away with it, and they deserved it, the players they deserved the luck, and all that. And yeah. then um, yeah. I was come off at Billing, okay, I packed my car up, and I got this call, and it's a private number. I normally don't answer no call numbers, are private number, I don't, I don't tend to do it. And I answered it, and it was Sir Alex, Harris, and he said, the Job's yours, I'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> I said, all right, but I knew we were off Tuesday. I went, Yeah, okay, then. So on the Sunday, I phoned up my friend I said, what do you ask for? He said, yes, he gave us all these figures, you know, what did I ask for? And um, so I went on the Tuesday to see him again. It was early, it was about half six. Uh, didn't really actually discuss the contract. He just said to me, that was it. You know, there's your contract. Um, <laughs> there's what we pay. Here's the incentives, you know, and things like that. And there was less of us on at Sutherland. So I thought, all right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, well. And I says to him, is that negotiable? He went, no, it bloody ain't. Negotiable, I didn't say that. He said, "What?" I went, aye, okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm driving back up, I'm up at Thurston first from Manchester so it must be something like half ten. I'm driving up there and <laughs> a phone call from their press at, at Sunderland to say, oh, hiya. Oh, yeah. I said, aye, yeah, yeah, aye, right. he says, uh, I see you've joined Man United. I says, What? I said no I haven't joined my United I said "Oh, Salah's very good put it in it, and the ability say you're joining as a rare team coach I said oh god I have told Howard <laughs> so I said I'll be there in the an hour and the half so I got there I seen Howard he was as good as gold he says yeah I can understand not a problem we'd like to keep you um, but um, I said look they, they say I've got to spend more time giving more notice he says no no you can leave today you take your stuff you've done brilliant for us and brilliant for the club and and um, so that was it, basically that was it And then, So I phoned, I phoned uh, Sir Alex on the, the Tuesday Said so everything's been done The club have been fine and all that No compensation, nothing at all They were happy with that And uh, he went, okay, I'll see you in a week's time Have, have a week off I went, oh, okay, <laughs> just had a week off <laughs> Had a week off, I didn't know what to do We'd actually just moved house So I done that And then I uh, went in and Brian McLear was there um, Jim Ryan, Brian McLear was fantastic What a mentor for me he was uh, and then I changed my whole thought of football changed completely. How I seen myself, how I seen the players. You know, I can remember one afternoon we were doing set plays. He said to he says like they've got about every day. They go to college on a Monday, Monday afternoon out. Tuesday two periods. Wednesday the same. Thursday the game at night. Train them Thursday morning and then Friday Saturday Sunday. So I went, okay, then so we did all that. And I'm doing these set plays one day. And he came up he, Brian came over, Brian McLean says, What are you doing? I said, I'm doing some set plays. He went, nah, 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 nah. He just said, We don't do set plays here, Ricky. I went, Okay, so what do we do? He said, We'll just get to Chris Eagles. He can do it. Or uh, Kevin Richardson or um listen, with Gerald P.K. at sixteen. Uh on on to so Gerald P.K. and Giuseppe Rossi and Fraser Campbell and Johnny Evans and we're 31 pros, and they all same professional, they all make careers out of it. But we, Brian and I were in charge of elite players, so they were anything from 16 to probably 19. Sylvan Blake, Paul McShane, funnily enough, mm-hmm. Paul McShane, you know. And uh, we jumped gen- three centre backs with Paul McShane, Jared PK, and Johnny Evans. So mm-hmm. I can remember Paul, meant to say to you, I can remember Paul coming to Sunderland. and says, Paul, what we'll makes sure you a better coach than me? You know, I just How do you do it? He says, Ricky, you're only as good as the quality you're coaching, he said to me. Mm. That's what he said to me. Mm. He says, in my United, you've got quality. This is when he came into Sunderland. And it's always stuck yeah. with me. And I went there and um, I lost my first seven games. I was the first coach ever in my United's history to lose the first seven reserve games. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I remembered from uh, the, the gaffer i mentioned mentioned to me a couple of times. <laughs> I tried to keep yeah. out of his way. And we, he says, don't worry. He says, next year you've got a team. He says, you have got a team. And we did have a team. And, uh, you know, you think, God, oh. But just everything about the place, it was so simple. There was nothing different. Except they had quality players. But there was nothing different yeah. at all, Chris, at all with it. It was just football. We had to do this special running, which wasn't great. It had, uh, wasn't as much as we'd probably do at Sunland and all that. Everything was with the ball. It had to be in really tight. Areas it'd be quick, sharp, get your mind going, two touch, one touch, and sometimes you could just leave him, Chris, and talk about something else and would just carry on. He'd just <laughs> carry with Giuseppe Rossi was out of this world. I mean, he was yeah. out of this world, and so was Gerard pk He liked to play a bit deep, Gerard, but we pushed him up a little bit with Johnny Evans. So you think we took an open edge reserve team it was just in the banks for 16, 17, you know, and they handled it. Just handled it. The team with you know, Davy Jones, who went to Burnley, Tom Heaton. Was a keeper, you know, and you yes. think, God almighty, you know, it just, just went on and on. It was like just another world you're in. You know, you just thought, God almighty, and they wanted to drain, they wanted to be the best. And then I remember the manager came over and saying to me, Ricky, we need a couple of players for tomorrow. And usually managers say, I want so and so and so and so. He'd go, I need a midfield player and a center forward, send me the ones that deserve him over. So I'd say to him, you've been over. And uh, that's the first time really. Bobby did that, Bobby Saxon did it, but to emphasise even more, you know, uh, Sir Alex had done it, and that was completely new. And he used to come up, he used to start, you would be coaching or doing something, he used to just be there, and you think, God, how's it gone there? How's he seen it? And he said, oh, it's going well, it's gone well. He'd test you, he'd test you a things, <laughs> all the team played well. No, I don't think. Brian McLear said to me, um, I'll test you, Ricky. We were having lunch, breakfast one day, and he's sitting opposite, and Brian's beside me. We played Walsall. We drew 4-4 at Walsall. Um, I think it was in January or February or something like that. But the first team were away to um, Fenerbahce, I think it was. So he took about nine of the, the reserve team with him and played them. And then, um, so I had, I had like, Phil Picking, who was my centre-back, who was five foot five. And we, we got we Ron Calise and, you know, and... Um, they had Vassell playing and a couple of other big names, the, the German midfield player, they're playing. And we got 4-4 at uh, Walser, funnily enough. The next day he says, uh, I thought we One played well for you. And Chalky just kicked me. He just kicked me. <laughs> and I says, uh, it just clicked into my head again. And I said, yeah, he did okay, Gaff. I don't think he was the best. He went, yeah, I don't think he was the best. But he did okay for you. And that was it. <laughs> it was <a> <laughs> <mistake>. <laughs> so... But well, he, he was fantastic because, you know, of all my career, he, he's the best I've ever worked under. Really, I mean that, the best ever to learn from and Mick Feeling was there and he was different class as well and Brian McLean was my mentor. He looked after me and I think the following year we took two teams, two teams in the Pontins, and, and uh, we took two, two teams in the Barclays and we won all the trophies won that year, eight or seven out of eight. We won. And, um, mm-hmm. But we had a team, my God, we had a team, you know, And yeah. uh, but we caused them, We I think for the first three months, we didn't get an afternoon off, we, we worked Saturday, Sunday, worked every day, yeah. and that was new, because at Sunderland, I'd probably get a Sunday off and a Wednesday off, yeah. there was no chance at my United, and then I got a day off, and I gave him a day off, we'd lost the Man City the night before, and he called them all in, <laughs> He called them all back in. And we had to run round the pit. We lost 3 1. David May, he got sent off early. We lost 3 1. I said, oh, Gaffer's brought him in. He says, he'll see you tomorrow. I thought, oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> so, I went to see him and the honeymoon was over. <laughs> 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 this is what we expect. That's not acceptable. You know, you're better than that. And if you've got a day off plan, and you don't think you deserve it, don't give him it. And, you know, I was thinking about me having a day off. Not, <laughs> mm. no, it, it was as good as school It was as good as goal. The best, the best I've ever been able to learn from. And the players, the example of the players with Ronaldo at the time, Van Nistelrooy. Oh my God, you can. We used to we used to send the players over and sit and watch them sometimes, if they trained a bit longer, enough, just to see what they do and what's expected from them. And it was it was out of this world. Mm. Good times. But I'm was. I I'm a boy I'm a boy from a massive council estate in Glasgow, Casamill, and I'm thinking to myself, my God, you know, I'm in my United now. I've never, ever dreamed that in my life. You know, and it was as if it's, it's the first time I've ever phoned somebody for a job. I've never done it. I've never done it. I always feel as if I owe somebody. I've never done it. But it was a good good pal of mine, and he managed to get me an interview.
0: Well, it's funny, I am mean, t- taking all that into account, Fantastic time, fantastic people, fantastic education. You, It was kind of only really three years later when you you joined Sam Allardyce at, at Bolton Wanderers as first team coach, which, you know, you've just talked about, you know, that you were learning on, on, on the job all the time. You were taking these fantastic players. So was that all about the opportunity to work with Sam Allardyce taking that job?
1: Yeah, I think, it, I think it was something to do with where I came from as well, to think it might be the only opportunity I have to work with the first team in the premiership. Mm. You know, you don't know at my United, you know, if you are going to move up on that, you know. And um, and I thought, well, I'll take, I'll t- I suppose it was a gamble because deep down I didn't want to leave my United. I just didn't want to leave them because I-, I loved it so much, you know, and uh, I enjoyed everything about it. But I thought I need to test myself. And, and it's not every day a manager phones up and says they want you to go and train the first team in the in the premiership. So, um, and a boy from Castle Milk and, you know, where I've been and to where I am now, I've been really lucky and fortunate to be truthful with you, you know, and uh, I, I took the risk. I mentioned it to Sir Alex, he wasn't happy, you know, which I can understand, you know, And uh, but he let me go, you know, I did pay a bit of compensation. But um, that, that was just the thought, I maybe going up the level and, and testing myself, Chris, to see if I was up for it. If I could do yeah. it, you know, it's not until you get there do you really know can you do the job because it is different from a reserve team and into a first team because we at that time we had the uh, JJ the and then we had and um, uh, Juffy <laughs> we had um, <laughs> uh, Kevin Nolan Kevin Davis Delios Campbell. you know you think well you know this is just a lad that's come in he's not been ever played at this level. Uh, and he's he's telling you, asking you to do a few things different what what normally does. But Sam took me for because of my development um, on what I could do below as well for the 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 reserves and help the reserve coach, which I did, you know, and um, and also help Sammy Lee. So I was working, and Sammy was the assistant, and I was sort of underneath, but helping Sammy as well. So it was it was an opportunity, and. Um, I went and spoke to Sam and he came over really well. I didn't know about Prozone and we didn't do it. My United, you know, we didn't do anything like that. My United and then about you know scoring first in many games you won, and corners for how important corners were, how important corners against were, and if you scored more goals for corners and this is this is a fact and 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 uh, considered less goals from a corner, you've been the top eight. In the three years we we're on the top, we were in the top eight. So it was a completely different structure from what it was Manchester United.
0: Yeah, was that the, because I read um, Sam Allardyce's book and he talked a lot about his, his kind of war room that he had at at Bolton where it was all <laughs> set up. And I mean, w- were you part of that? And did you see all how, how that worked? Yeah,
1: I mean, it was a big circular table. Sam was like king of the table. He was a, he was like that. And then we had to do, um, on the Monday, so they played Saturday, on the Monday afternoon, we had to do um write down what we thought of the game you know we wrote stuff down and we thought and what went well what didn't because he said and in the war room we had an opinion we could say anything we wanted in the war room it would stay in there because what sam said he said there's a lot of things in the game that i wouldn't think of or haven't seen that yous might see so um so we'd we'd have an opinion and i can remember sitting there and there's me sammy lee there's Jimmy Phillips, um, obviously Sam, but there's other people. There was a kit man, you know, there was a kit man <laughs> and the laundry man, and thinking, and I'm thinking, I think, well, you know, the academy director, the academy, pro, I'm exaggerating, with the laundry man, he wasn't there, but the rest were there. <laughs> and then the kit man's picked up, started talking away, and I'm thinking to myself, God, what's happening? You know, and, but he picked it Russell was good. Russell played at Blackpool. And that. So Russell had a football background and he would probably see things different from us. So Russell yeah. had to say, oh, I thought we were crap today. You know, I, thought we were and I thought you were shy. I thought he did this well. And then, uh, you know, so he'd write all that down. I don't know what he did with it. You know, he'd just say, I always make the decision, they're oh, when i ah, okay then. But, you know, sometimes they would just go, they would they would do like, they, you know, they, they'd speak to the player uh, over the international window, find out everything about him cuts and parts, how's he doing, how's his wife, when's the last time he'd been for holiday, Wednesday, he'd been away, because you think it was a lot of French ones, yeah I mean, with Nicholas and Elkin, but when there, yeah, with Borghetti, a, a Mexican centre forward, there was like, I think, Nakata, I think it was, there was 18 different nationalities, all speaking English, and <laughs> you know, think, God almighty, you know, but 18 players, that's all he had. And then we, uh, Vast haze came into the scene, you know, and uh, well, it was just complete. I mean, I can remember going to my United and watch watching a, a cup game, maybe in a league game with West Brom, and, and four of our players were playing. I got invited and we went into the video room before the game, you know, they, they talked about West Brom, but it talked all about my United and showed three clips of West Brom. Well, Sam, we'd watched the 90 minutes, and half of them were falling asleep. Jiffy would falling asleep, you know. <laughs> Jaddy the back would be falling asleep, you know. Mate was, I was falling asleep. So I'm thinking, God, I made this in 90 minutes then. But it was a completely different, different
0: way of, of thinking. But for Bolton, it worked. It was really successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was. I think it was a couple of years later after that, I think uh, 2007 when uh, Sam Allardyce left and he was replaced with, with Sammy Lee. And then in the following November, um, Roy Keane, Kind of gives you a call to, to take on the job as Sunland first team coaches. I mean, we, we started life as a Premier League club after getting promoted at that point. But did you know Roy King pretty well from your time at Manchester United, or did that just come out of the blue? Yeah, I
1: mean, we didn't know to speak to, you know, like they sort of separated they were there. And you, you wouldn't go in the first team dressing, you know, and you'd have to chat the door and get the okay to go in. You might have to go, Oh, the gaffer wants to see somebody, but you would never go in. You know, that was their sort of area, that was their zone. You know, you weren't allowed in that was the player zone. Uh, Roy, at the, the, the end of the the year I was there, he used to come in and ask us to, uh, could he come in and listen to us at uh before the game, half time, and after the game when we played, you know, in the, um, in the league. And uh, sometimes you would see him after the game, or he maybe mentioned something the day after, but. You come in for a little while just to see what we were saying and what points we were picking up, and you disagree with some of the stuff, you know that that, that was fine. But I didn't really know him, you know. I mean, say hello to him, you know that the, as far as I, I can. The, the, for me, go to Sunderland was was really John Cook, the kit man. This cookie phoned me up. He says, uh, "Ricky and Roy, wants you to come to Sunderland I went, "All right, okay then." <laughs> I said, "Tell me about him." So he told me, and you know, i just stayed. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> no, so that, that's where it came from. And then I spoke to the, the secretary at the time in York, and then now Quinn phoned me. Quinny phoned me. And um, mm. there'd be a bit of disagreement in the wages. You know, I usually find that if, if you send somebody from the admin center, the, the secretary side, he, he doesn't really know who he's talking to, mm. you know, and he, mm. he's not so sure about this and that, and he's got a set figure in his head, and I've got a set figure that I think I'm worth there wasn't a lot between us I mean, oh no I don't think so I said well okay leave it I'll just stay at Bolton you know that's basically what I said so like, don't worry it's all been done it's done and dusted uh, so I came I came and um, I looked after the defence and the set plays and we Tony, Tony was the head coach and I sort of filled in between them and, and Roy was there so it was good I really enjoyed it you know and uh, it was back to the club I, I've always liked the Bolts something for them and for my first Time there, I, I probably if it wasn't Manchester United, uh, Chris, I, I probably would at that time been still at Sunderland. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I'd probably still be, be Howard, and you know, at the end of the year, I might have been sacked. But there again, I would probably still be at, at, at Sunderland. But um, yeah, it was nice to go back. It was just because uh, obviously the you know the back end of the year I left, they had the stadium, the training ground was all there, so everything was in place, you know, for success, you know, and um, it's. Um, it was a great feeling going back. I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed working with Tony and enjoyed working with Roy, you know. But I uh, also knew Cookie, and I knew a lot of people there still. You know, I know, conversely, so Tim Carter, who was a fantastic yeah. goalkeeper and a lovely friend of mine. Um, and uh, so it was Jed McNamee. There was Elliot, you know, people like that. So Bali was there, which was fantastic. <laughs> was there? Um, so it was. It was nice to go back. You know, and yeah. it really hadn't changed a little bit. Different philosophy and what he wanted to play, but um, and different players. But uh, yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. It was. I got offered, to be honest, with you, in the, in the June. Previously, I got offered to go back to uh, Bolton on a five-year contract. They offered me. I was in New Zealand business some friends, and I got Gary Maksin phoned me up and says, through Chris Evans, this is a want When you to come back, be head head coach. Uh, There's a five-year contract for you." You know, and I mentioned that to Roy. I had a meeting with Roy in back end of June, and just said that I need to do more. You know, I'm I'm hungry to do more, and sometimes you know I'm not doing it as much as I want to be doing. And he said oh, is all change. You know, I'll change. You you got more of it, and I did a little bit. But but uh, I spoke twenty four out about that. I said I want you. I want you to stay. Mm. I went aye okay then. Go on, I don't mind. Because <laughs> I, I, when Quinny, you were saying about players, when Quinny and Phillips and yeah. Alex yeah. Ray and people like that, and Quinny was was fantastic. And with the spell, we brought a lot of Irish kids. And Quinny was a different class when we took them out, looked after them, and he was a such, such a gentleman, and he was good with me. I must admit, you know, he was fantastic when I was a coach there. And, um, but they were all good to be honest with you. Quinn and I thought you know the pair pairing between Quinn and Kevin Phillips was outstanding. You were a great match; they complemented each other.
0: Now Quinn persuaded a lot of people to do a lot of things for, for Sutherland when he was when he was chairman. I mean, including kind of persuading Roy Keane to, to to come in as manager. But you know, obviously, you might have seen him from a distance at uh, at Manchester United, obviously, with being involved in the in the first team. But um, I mean, obviously, I imagine you went into it with an open mind, not having worked for him because that was his first job but uh was he kind of as he worked as you expected because i mean from everything i've read and the things he said as well he seemed to take kind of a back seat at training and just kind of look watch the players from a distance rather than get involved
1: yeah i mean like tony was sort of the head coach so tony would we'd sit down and discuss it with neil bailey um we discuss what we're doing what we needed to be run up and roy did take a background on it and sometimes you join in um, and then sometimes he'd stop and say, look, I want you to do this or do that. You know, so his he, he's he's, he's thought in football was very good. He knew because, I mean, they got promotion, didn't they? You know, they came from they not, down at the bottom somewhere. And then yeah. all of a sudden he got a promotion and then he wanted to drive on, you know. And obviously the, the, his coaching was good. When he came and coached, he did well. You know, he, he talked to you, he asked you how the players were. Um, there was always that sort of form of communication with them. Uh, but Tony was the head coach, Tony was probably the one that planned uh, the training for that week um, and then we'd go from there, basically just take it from there. And um, mm-hmm. if I had to do Chibonda and people like that, I'd take him away and do extra with him. You know, or I'd maybe do, red had Chibonda one day do, doing heading, but he'd had his hair back and it all beaded and he head because it was sore. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have taken him off one day. So, but um, it was yeah, it was fine. It was okay. He, he was maybe quite a private man as well. Listen, he's, he, he was a great player. You know, a fantastic player, and great history playing. And he he tried to bring that into Sunderland. You know, he did try to bring it into that. You know, sometimes you you might have, as I said earlier, you might have the same quality players as what we had at Man United.
0: Well, you mentioned a couple of players were were brought in that 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 summer to try and kick on. Um, when I mean, you've been on the training pitch, did did you because there was all that group of players who kind of brought us up from the championship, and he he kind of tried to, you know, there was a big change over the just the the one and a half years we were in the Premier League where he really tried to push us on. Did you feel the change on the training pitch with when when he was bringing those players in that actually the, you know, you had to work on the that worth work ethic side as well as, you know, the quality players he was bringing in.
1: I, I think you're trying to bring in a little bit of quality, you know, and 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 the, the work rate in general is fantastic with the players. Mm. And then it's sometimes there's a little bit of jealousy when you get a number of players coming in, you know, because there's that talk about wages. and You don't know. They see, you know nothing what they're earning. I never even asked yeah. them. I wouldn't want to ask them and, you know, and they just get they look at it and think, "Oh God, he must be on a fortune." He's come here, and you know, and there's sometimes they get resentful, you know, some regarding that. Uh But regarding honesty and all that, it was always there, you know. And um and then, but they have a little bit different attitude. Like Juffe had a different attitude I knew him at Bolton, and I'd never met Chabonda. I'd heard things about him, you know, and mm-hmm. they were a little bit laid back, and yeah, we'll do it, you know, and things like that where. He'd, the Collins, you know, and uh, Whitehead, they were grafters, workers, battle for you, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. The, the other ones may have thought, no, I'll just sit back and I'll protect myself for Saturday, things like that. So there, there were different nature of people in general, but uh, in general they were fine, they were okay, you know, and uh, CeCe was decent, you know, he was decent, he was a prolific goalscorer, you know, and uh, but I think it's always that jealousy. They, they, they read things in the papers, you know, and they think, oh God, I should be on that, and yeah, you know, I'm playing the first
0: team, and it doesn't football is isn't quite like that. Yeah, yeah, we had a we had a strange kind of mix of players by that that second season, and and he eventually kind of came resigned after a four-one defeat at home to Bolton Wanderers. Um, funnily enough, yeah. but. um I mean, I mean, because Ella Shaw came in before that, and there was a there was always things kind of leaking out, little whispers, little stories, little rumours. But I mean, did did you and the rest of the staff? I mean, could you get a feeling things were kind of building up to a point where you know something might give, or or was it just a complete surprise out of the blue when he when he was on? Well, I think
1: for me, it, it was a surprise because because he said to us, "We'll see you on the Monday," and mm. um, I was travelling up, and I think I was at. Probably just going over Middlesbrough Bridge. I was going over there, maybe up that way. And um, I got a phone call from Tony. And Tony said to me, um, uh, have you read the paper? He says, no, I haven't. I haven't read any news. i have like, not seeing anything at all. He says, uh, just to let you know, Roy's leaving. Or Roy's left. I went, no, oh, God. I went, What's caused that? He said, I couldn't tell you. That's what he said to me. So I says, little well, I'll be up there. It was about seven o'clock. I built i up there for about maybe touching eight o'clock and have a chat so we had a chat sat down and had a chat he never explained why he left uh, Tony because Tony was very close to to Roy and um, so Tony said I'll take the training yeah that's fine and then whatever, what do you want to do and I'll take whatever's left or do we split them up and so we organised the training for a couple of days and then there was always this hope maybe it wasn't true you know he was going to just come back it was just a spur of the moment he made the decision, but um I haven't ever known why, you know, if it was something to really short, if he mm. felt as if he came to an end, or the result there on Saturday wasn't a great one for him, and things like that. So but Tony was sort of he probably knew a little bit more, Tony, because he, he was close to, to Roy. Uh, but uh on that day we just trained, you know, we just trained as normal. And um then I think Nal spoke to Tony. And so I just went home. <laughs> I went home about half four. was <laughs> drive down home. And, um, but still not knowing, you know, why or, um, you know, the chairman didn't speak to us about it. You know, uh, we, we knew now. Come up and spoke to, to Tony, but um, that was, you know, I don't, I don't know what was said there. I think now said to Tony, just continue, continue how it's going. And then we're having a meeting that day. I
0: think they were having so that that was as far as I knew, Chris. Yeah, and then following Saturday, you're in the dugout opposite Sir Alex Ferguson in Old Trafford, which you know <laughs> football always writes these stories, doesn't it? Yeah, and you're 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 our caretaker manager initially, um, obviously taking a Manchester night in the Premier League. I mean, was, was that kind of? Because obviously, you know, kind of Tony was there and you were having conversations. I mean, did it seem natural for you initially just to, to kind of step into that? World? No,
1: not at all. I don't. I didn't even, it didn't even come to my mind. I'll be honest with you. I just, I can remember now speaking to him. It could have been, I don't know if it was a Friday or Thursday. I know it was the, the snow was bad. I can remember that. And then um, he says, Look, we'd want you to take over just so till we appoint somebody. So I said to him, What about Tony? Because Tony's a head coach. He says no. we are spoken to Tony. It's, that's been done. You know, it's uh, we prefer you. You know, and so that, that that's how it was. You know, so we didn't. Chris, the, the club was in such a state. You know, we didn't have any money and stuff like that. And so we knew that Man United. We trained on the Friday on a twenty by twenty uh, piece of grass because it was snowing. We couldn't do anything else, and we maybe played some games and about fun, and you know, took the squad down and. Um, and lost late on but I mean we survived you know we we'd done nothing with them we just had set them out how we thought we'd needed to play we tried to force the issue up front but we couldn't do that because they're such a good team the movement's great and things like that uh, I was sitting there with Neil Bailey and I me to Neil in the dugout this is surreal isn't it because he was my mate. <laughs> Neil was there so you had two of us in here so Alex another the other box <laughs> We're nil nil. We're about seven minutes to go. Would you believe it? He says, "No, nope, I wouldn't." I said, "Well, that's how things." I mean, lost one nil, and, you know. So um, now came in after the dressing room, thanked us all, you know, and um, it was a team just pleased as punch. And then uh, he said, "We'll see you Monday," and that was it. <laughs> so it was Monday, and is uh, this him for another week? I said, "Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem at all." You know, and uh, we went to. I think it was it West Brom. I think it might have been. I think it might have been West yeah. Brom. We played, yeah. and we won. We won four one. And you know, so I just said to him, "Well, the, the one of the biggest problems is is managing all the players. We had something like forty eight professionals. Yeah. And but the, what they don't understand, Chris, people, we keep buying all these players. Is that we can only name eighteen? Yeah. You know, because we can only play a living. So you know the rest of them are not going to be happy. You know, what I did say to him, we brought him in. He said, Look, we don't unfortunately in this situation, I don't want to be in this situation. That's what I said to him. I said, I'm not a manager, I'm not looking forward to doing anything. I'm a coach, and as far as I'm concerned. And then I says, one thing I can do with you all, he says, What? Well, I, I can trust you all. But I said, What well, you have to realise, I can't pick you all. It's impossible. Mm. You know, some are going to be disappointed, and but everybody will get your chance. I'll give everybody a chance, it's as fair as I can be. And I, and I said, I might be only here a week, I might be only here two weeks and then hopefully they'll get somebody else in, you know, basically. I thought they might have got big salmon, to be honest with you, some holidays. But, um, it, it, you, know, and, you know, we've got two good results. But I never ever thought, I never ever want, I keep saying it, and the people say, well, you, yeah, i never wanted to be a manager. I know why I took the job. I know that now. I know why I took the job at the time. I wasn't even so sure because he'd asked me that many times. I said no to him because I'm I'm not oh. a big man. I'm just a coach. I like to coach. You know, I'm quite prepared to do the caretaker until you get somebody else in. You know, but you know that's as far as it goes. As far as I'm with this is, if I got to go, I go because he knew man, I want and I don't mind that, I don't have a problem with that, Connie.
0: Kind of yeah. Just out of interest, just going back because obviously that that was a um, you know. It was a last gasp injury time winner from Vidic at Old Trafford, um, but did did Alex Ferguson have any kind of words of wisdom after after that game? Yeah,
1: he, he just said, he just said, uh, I mean, we could have lost five or six, maybe seven. He says, he says to be, he says he, he, he were well um, drilled. They said he well drilled, and he made it very difficult for us, you know. And um, what he did say to me, he phoned me up. In the Monday or Tuesday, he said to me, I'll give you one piece of advice. I said, Well, he says, get rid of your bad apples. Mm-hmm. I said, Okay. You know, that was it. You know, and, uh, but we had, we had some, I think we had 48 professionals, all on good money, really good money. Um, but that wasn't my job to, to deal with that. My job was, is now, I'd asked me to do, was just to coach them through the week, make it enjoyable, get them prepared for the game, and take it from there. That, that was it. Yeah. And keep us up. So he said to me, we need points. We yeah. need steel. That's
0: what he said. And I said, "Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do my best." Yeah. well, th- th- like you said, we went to West Brom and won four 0 Went to Hull City, won four one. You took us up to twelfth for me eighth when you took over just in the space of kind of three games. And I remember there were there was comments after the you know from the players to give you the job. I remember there was a clip on whether it was Match of the Day or Sky when you were doing an interview and the results were going right. I mean, did any of that? start to to sway you to think, mm, actually, you know, I, I could uh, I could have a crack at this. Or were your thoughts always the, same.
1: They're always the same? They were always the same. They were mm. actually the same. Because when, when you become a manager, it does change. The players' thoughts of you change completely. When you're a caretaker manager, then everything's fine and great. And <laughs> we went to Hull and I can remember Quinny come in just before the game at Holland and says, oh, you have to beat this lot. I said, well, we're gonna try. We're gonna try and beat him. He said, uh, he says, I've had enough upstairs, upstairs in the boardroom that I had, they're talking about, you know, the Phil Brown philosophy and all that. I went, like, okay, I get the point. So <laughs> this is how we should do it. I know Phil was after the job. And I mean we won four. CC was did really well for us and that. But there was never a time I ever wanted a job. There was never a time I sat down and thought, I desperately want this job. I didn't want it. I didn't want it because I, I thought suddenly needed somebody with a bigger name to attract bigger people to the club. That was always on my mind. I'm just not a nobody. I'm just a person that loves coaching, going on with it. And I know why I took it, because Nal asked me. Now just said to me, Can you you couldn't take it for me? That's what he said to me. I said, yeah, well. Okay. And this was after about two and a half days. He said, it'll give us time. I said, yeah, but now it will change. The whole thought of me will change with the players. Because when you're a caretaker, you're just a caretaker. You know, at the end of the day. And I said, as soon as I come the manager, it's going to change. I'll tell you that now. It'll go the other way. You know, players have been moaning, we need to get some players in and they're not happy. And I know we sat down and he said, Can you give us a list of players we need to keep? So I gave them 28. You know, and that was including Callback and Henderson and Wycorn and this is the ones we had to sell to, to bring money into the club, to bring it in. And we couldn't bring anybody else to help us. You know, we just couldn't do that. You know, it was People don't realise what situation we're in at the time. But um, so now I'll say to me, look, please do it for me. I said, yeah, OK, I'll do that. Because now was someone through and through. And, and, and the way I was someone through and through. And um, mm. but Chris, I never discussed wages, nothing at all. I didn't discuss a contract, nothing at all. Well. I just mm. got on with a job and tried to keep us up. And that was even, you know, the, the owner was saying to us, you know, through now we need to stay up you know and and that's what we had to do and, and it wasn't pretty we, we had a dip we know that and the Tottenham game was a, a well what not we Tottenham were a minute or so to go and we, we carried away and George McCartney not for a corner who shouldn't be up there we told Mal Black to take a shot. he put it in the box then they were not scored and Keane scored thought oh god that been three points that would take us out of the, the pressure uh, Premiership as well it was even a I took it, you know, and I used to speak to Nal every day, and I said to Nal, No matter what happens now, I'm leaving the summer. So that was, yeah, that's where we, we sort of left it, you know. And yeah. and I said, I'll promise to do everything I can, you know, the hours to work and try and bring a couple of new. We brought Davenport in, who was a good one. We've got M, who was decent, you know, and uh, we got Paul McShane back, who wasn't happy. And But Harvard's football isn't always happy, and decisions are not always right. And but they were decisions I thought were right at the time, but. Um, but everything was all about staying in and people not losing their jobs and mm. the staff there who are known for years may have possibly lost their jobs as well. I didn't want that. I just didn't want it. Uh, but, you know, but the players could move and agents would get them away and sell them and stuff like that. And so it was, it was difficult. It was a difficult time.
0: Yeah. Well, th- th- there was also the the small matter of a, a derby against Newcastle at St James's Park. Uh, which is I mean it don't, no matter how you're involved is always a huge game obviously you know up, up our way but um, from the viewpoint of a manager how did you find the build up was it just something you couldn't really enjoy and get into just because the pressure's just so big in, in games like that
1: yeah I, I didn't read the papers I'll be honest with you I didn't because I live in New York i got even pressed down here didn't really <laughs> I didn't um, so I didn't really <laughs> Read the papers, and we would a fair idea what, what we were going to play. We spoke to, to Neil and that, and discussed it. And um, I'd never been to Newcastle. Oh, no, I had been, sorry, I had been, because uh, that was when it, Kevin Phillips scored the little lob with the 1-2-0, yeah. I think it was um, a yeah. 2-1. And then we got off to a good start, and then Stephen Taylor went down the Eiffel Tower, and I know Stephen, I know Stephen really well, and he said <laughs> to me after the game, I'm really sorry Vicky. I see him." Yeah, it's football, we just got to go away. We had a chance with um, Chopra. It broke through. Um, yeah, yeah. And they should have squared it better. And they never, I don't think, can um, got a hold of it? But we, we, it was the same as Middlesbrough, Chris. We couldn't afford to lose the game. We had to pick up points, which was really important to us. And then we changed the team around and then there was a couple of injuries and stuff like that. So it, it was, the Newcastle game, it was the hype of it. You know what they were going to do with, us and
0: they were going to beat us and all that. But we we were confident we'd get something from it, and I, and I felt on the day we, we possibly could have got a win. Yeah, yeah. That uh, like you said, that late lateish penalty, about twenty minutes left, got them a point. Um, but on the last day of the season, finished sixteenth in the Premier League. Newcastle were relegated, so yeah, one or two one or two celebrations going on. Um, and like you said, you you kind of already made your decision up, but you know we and and you. I think everything you've said was you know at the at the time you didn't want it you know you didn't want to do that you didn't want to take that step we're kind of what I think we're 10 11 maybe 12 years on now I can't quite remember but does any any part of you now look back and think you know who who knows where it might have went
1: no no, not no. at all I um when I left I, I spoke to now an and said look, I'm going to leave now you know I have said that to you at christmas time mm. and he said um have you made up your mind? I said, Yeah. I said, You need somebody with a bigger name who can attract players. You know, I filled in the gap, you know, it needed to be filled in, and then uh, then somebody else can take it over. I know Darren Bent came because of the money we saved them, you know, but um, I love my time there, you know, and I know you get slaughtered, but that's football. That's part of football. You read, it. I don't actually read the papers. I tell my wife, Don't read the papers because it's it's going to be critical, a lot of it, you know, and what uh, we have this. Thought we have to stay up, and then that's what we're going for. Um, but um, I know I know when Steve Bruce phoned me up, he said to me, Can you have come in and have a chat with me? Because when when Nal Quinn said to me, Oh, you got a job for life, I said, You can't give anybody a job for life, you just can't <laughs> do that, it's impossible, you know. And I wouldn't want that, Chris, I just wouldn't want that, it wouldn't be fair. <laughs> um, and then Steve phoned me up and says, I may have a little job for you. And I says, Look, Steve, is it I might have a little job because now Quinn said, I think we should give Rick a job. He went, No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. So I said, OK, I'll come and have a chat. And then what it was, it just never looked through the scouting. That's basically what it was. So it was a good three months for me, four months for me uh, to do. And I went to, into Amsterdam and a couple of countries. But you have to be realistic that these top players are not going to come to Sunderland. Mm-hmm. Be honest with you, Chris. You know, you watching all these Ajax players, <laughs> they're not going to come. They're just <laughs> not going to come, you know. But um yeah, so that was good. And then after that I um I packed in and I, I got funny enough, Chris, I got offered a job at Newcastle. Uh, funny mm-hmm. enough, to take their under 18s. This mm-hmm. is this would be maybe September, October time that year. But I'd already said yes to the Scottish FA to be a national mm-hmm. coach. So when I gave my word, I gave my word, you know, I could have pulled out of it, but I didn't think it was right. Um but regarded listen, I love the club. I love the people. The fans are extraordinary. Um I know a little bit about the managers They've got now Lee. I know a lot about him because I met him on my, my pro license. Mm. And um he did offer me a job, Lee, not at Sunderland. <laughs> he <laughs> offered me a job. We were doing a pro license and we were on Turkey. Don't feel remember it. And we're having a couple of jars and mm. we're doing this sort of analyst on these games and uh, it was a World Cup. And um he said to me, uh, I've got been offered a job at uh, at Oldham. I went, Oh, brilliant. I didn't know Lee. I mean, I'm just on the, the the course. He says, Do you fancy coming in as my assistant? And I went, No, I don't. <laughs> he says, Why not? Says, I said, because no, you've asked four people before me, and I'm the fifth person you've asked. <laughs> so I said, No, I'm not. I says, No, I'm quite happy where I am but uh, he'd done the the pro I'd done two years with his pro license with him he's a lovely he's a lovely chap I went back Monty invited me back to watch a couple of games as a guest and it was lovely it was lovely to go back and see a lot of the the stewards that I knew um, you know and and faces that you know I hadn't seen for years and they're still there supporting the club and loving it and working their tails off to make the club better And and the club is lovely you know they've been through bad times you know that's you know, that's how football is in general. But uh, yeah. my my time at the club, even the six months, it was hard work. You know, my health went deteriorated badly, but it, it was worth it to keep them up. You know, I can remember Ian Dowie saying something. That he was he was on Sky, maybe in Sky, and he said something about when he joined Newcastle. He said, um, "I've got a lot of experience at this level, which you know keep me keep me good and." you know, I know where we're going, but he actually, before that, he got three teams relegated from the leagues. So I thought, well, that's not a bad <laughs> thing, you know, so, you know, I thought it's a good chance, it's a good chance to make get relegated, but, well, in in good stead. Uh, I've had these situations, but he didn't see the three clubs he took down get relegated, but, uh, but no, it, it was fantastic, and even on the night, we went out on Sunday, and looked with, with a few beers, Quinny and you know, it felt good. It felt good because we stayed up, and, and no matter what and what health damage it cost me, it was worth it. Everything was worth it, and you know, and even made me even think I could can, can be a manager again. I don't know how to do it, Chris. I honestly don't know how to do it because <laughs> on the first day I got the job, I got 169 calls, missed calls on my phone that people don't even know my phone number. Mm. So that was the start of it. And I showed it to Quinny and Quinny went, I'll be with it. I said, oh, <laughs> no, I was God. No, it was fantastic. I love the club. You've got a lot of time yeah. for the club. And, you know, I may have only been there for that short spell, but I didn't want to be a manager. I couldn't be a manager, Chris, of a club when the team gets relegated and say the following season, oh, we will get them back up because you've worked hard enough to keep them up. That's what they I just when I hear that, I think oh, I do mind him. You know, we're going to work really hard to get back up and all that. We should work really hard to keep them in the league. You know, that's yeah. how I see it. But that's how it is. That's how, it, that's how I thought. It might not make any sense, but to me, it, it makes a little bit of sense that people after the after get could say, "Oh, well, you know, we'll get back up again." You know, it's it's a certainty. Like, it doesn't always happen.
0: Yeah. Well, like you said, but when you left, you spent kind of five years with the the SFA with the under-17s, under-19s and the under-21s with Scotland and then in 2017 you joined Manchester United to take on um the the job of the under-23s. Now, <laughs> I just want to ask you at this point because you mentioned a lot at Sunderland and you talked about Manchester United in your first spell about the, the Central League and the old reserve team structure. I mean, what's your thoughts on after having the, you know, you took the reserve team at Sunderland, you took the reserve team at Manchester United and now kind of the under twenty threes at Manchester United years later. What's your thoughts on kind of the old reserve team structure where young players used to get that chance to play against more experienced players versus the current under twenty-three structure where when you go and watch them it seems like sometimes they're just going through the motions and there's no real competitive edge to it. Um do you think do you think kind of the, the system's changed too much in one way? I,
1: I, I would I would prefer it when the first years of mine is two two or five we 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 played like an under 18 team in an open age league. Mm. And and I preferred that because it was a great experience for them to play against these experienced players and try and learn again. Um I know under-23s, I might be wrong, might have a few overage players over it, but um we we would prefer that. At my netty would have preferred that, you know, to play against these experienced players, you know, and, and teach our young players what it's all about. Um So I would would actually prefer an open A's league. And I I know they've started to do it a little bit. I know Sunderland played Manchester United about a couple of weeks ago and Sunderland won 2-1. And that was like the 21s playing maybe 22s, 23s, you know, and maybe a couple of senior players, which which I think is good. But I know when I played, uh, I can remember playing as Charlie George. You know, I can remember that. I can remember (laughs) playing against a player at Reading, called Charlie Hurt, not Charlie really. um Oh God, what's his name? I can remember him punching me. I can remember me running. I kicked him, and he says he won't do that again. I think his name, and they punched me. I ran out, cleared the ball, and I woke up about four days later. He just hit me, and that was me. But uh, and then you could try to get used to that. But I think this like for like, 18s play 18s, and I'd like 18s play 20 or you know, and do it that way. I like an open age, but. And I'd like the league to get bigger. I'd like the the Premier League to be two uh, the same league, you know. So you probably get something like twenty, you know, maybe twenty four games, twenty eight games, or thirty games. So you've got a season as well, you know. And I'd prefer that. But I know they've got like Division One and Division Two. But I'd prefer it's all together. You know, I can remember the football combination. We went to Plymouth. You know, we went down as far as that. We we played West Ham. We played Arsenal. Chelsea, yes. we played all the clubs, you know, and there was something like maybe 17 teams. And it was great. And it was open age. So I'd be a seventeen year old playing against maybe a twenty-eight year old and learning the trade, trying to learn it. But um I'd prefer it to be slightly open age.
0: Yeah, I I remember going to watch all of the Southern Reserve games and, and every game seemed like a, a proper game, whereas I don't know, the the under twenty ones now the it's it's very it's very technical. But in mm-hmm. terms of a competitive edge, I don't think you see a tackle.
1: <laughs> no, no, that don't allow to tackle now. It's just you know, just I, I would prefer for them. You know, if you're saying to we're talking, if you go back to my you're talking about you know that even Michael, Sunderland, Michael Prompter would have played in the reserves at 17 at open age league, which would pre- prepare him for the first team. You know, because he he could be playing against a 27, 20 year old, and we say to him, "How did you find it? You know, what did they do?" You see, I boss me, or you oh, get into the channel early, and you start me going to my right. You know, little things like that. So you you would ask them questions, um, and then I think they learn from it. You know, where they play like for like, it it could be, it could be just too easy for them, too simple for them. But, I mean, yeah. that's my thought. I'd I prefer open age.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've 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 had those thoughts, but when I when I say them out loud, I just sound. Um... <laughs> just sound old, but uh, but there you go. But but you you left Old Trafford in, in mid twenty nineteen. Then kind of you know just less than a year later, the pandemic kicked in. Um. So kind of what 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 you've been up to since Old Trafford, the the job at Manchester United when you left there and. Um are you are you kind of tempted at all? I know we've we've spoken kind of before we recorded about you spending time with your grandkids and your family because big long career in football takes a takes your time up. So do you feel like you'd you'd get back in? No,
1: I think I think I mean my chest is that the same time didn't go so well. You know, we we got hmm. relegated the first year. Um hmm. and then the second year we were up there and, but the problem is what people don't realise is that on, on on the first year, when it comes to Christmas, we lost like eight players from the team. And the Other players that were coming through, weren't quite ready. And the second year was the same, we lost 10 players out and won. so it's difficult, you know. Where what well, you probably find, Chris, is that teams will play my and play played all of experienced players. Yeah. And we're playing 17 year olds who have not really should be playing reserve football yet, they're just not quite ready for it. But because we we let 10 out and loan, who we were probably the 20 the year olds and probably the you know, sort of the 19-year-olds or 21-year-olds, then it, 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 there's a big gap. So it, it didn't work too well for me uh, on that then. And it was really down to that. And I, and I spoke to Nikki when I first took the job over because when I left the Scottish FA, that was it. You know, I, I'd, I'd come to a stage where you think, I'm travelling to Glasgow, I'm living in Glasgow. You know, and Manchester was fortunate. I had a flat Manchester, which helped me with Burnley, and then, uh, which helped me with Bolton. But the rest of the time, I'm still commuting. You know, for me to get yeah. to Manchester, uh, mm-hmm. what I had to leave at quarter past five in the morning Oof. to get past the 62 mm-hmm. to get into work yeah. and then yeah. come back at half five and get in at seven. And I'd go to bed at half nine. Yeah. I'd be knackered, absolutely knackered. You know, so it was unfair. And when I took the job, I'd said to Nikki about... Well, Neil Wood was there. And yeah. Neil Wood was a player when I was there. And he... he I'd mentored him and he was ready for the job. So Nicky offered me another job, to be fair, within the club. But I, I said no, if I'd lived in Manchester, I probably would have. But because it was New York, I thought maybe it was a bit of time to spend some time at home, you know, and see my wife now and again, you know, and see how she is. And, you know, and when, when we had a break internationally, we were away for two weeks, you know, and yeah. things like that. And she's put up with it since probably 94, since I moved to Sunderland. You know, and I thought, well, I'm 65. I thought, well, maybe I was going to retire at 50. I wasn't going to do the Scottish Effie things and all that. And I thought, well, it'll be different. And it was different because it wasn't every day. It was just that 10 day period, international week or two weeks. That was fantastic. But then I did miss the everyday stuff. <laughs> so it was, yeah. it was a bit. <laughs> so I, I didn't apply for my United job. I just got a phone call asking, would I be interested? And I said, yeah, I'll come down and. I mean, I spoke to the I said, well, can I do it for two years? Three max. If it's not, then fine, I, I, that's okay. I don't, I don't have a problem with it, you know, so. But it didn't go well. It didn't go as well as the the f- first time I went there, and, and it's all down to quality. The same quality of player wasn't there when I first was there, 03 to 05. although now I'm spending a little bit more money competing with the Man Cities and the Chelsea's and, you know, uh, for young players. And they've got to be, you know, where previously when I was there, they would come automatically because of the badge and really because of the manager. He would a big part to do with a lot of players. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so it wasn't what I'd hoped for. But, you know, I think it was a time I had to say that that's enough. You know, the the boots are in the garage and that's it, they're staying in there. (laughs) You know, and I I went to listen to Phil Neville, you know, down in... um, St George's A couple of things here, And I've asked to Been doing a couple of things But I haven't done it To be fair Chris, I thought I'll just try and keep Well away from it all You know And spend a bit of time And I've got a couple of things in my wall I did tell you last time I was got my beer mats Which shows <laughs> Quinny and Michael Gray And Kevin Phillips That I put up The other week Or maybe three weeks ago Would normally sit in my drawer And I thought I've got a, My wife lets me Put a couple of things in here But I've got three things In football in my house And that's it <laughs> So, No, but it's been good. It's been good because it stopped. It stopped me driving, you know. And you, you, you live. You live the six months at uh, Sunland every day. I left for the job. You know, it was always my mind. I couldn't sleep, worrying the results weren't going so well. And then the players have doubts, and I'm just glad on the day it uh, we managed to survive. You know because if it didn't i couldn't go back to
0: someone i could never ever yeah. go back to zone and let them down you know so it's, it's um it's difficult well, well i mean j- just on a on a final note about sunland because um we'll finish on Sunland because you had a obviously the couple of spells at the club and actually the, i mean the first one saw a huge like transformation of the club really in the late 90s we completely changed as a, as a club and what what we were and kind of what we are now um well, well, what we are now, what we turned into yeah. when you were there, but but I mean, what what goes through your head now when when you see Sunderland in League One?
1: I'm I'm sad. I'm and, and don't get me wrong. And, and there's a lot of great British coaches in the country and managers. Mm. And they don't know the history of Sunderland. A lot of them, you know, and I think they brought a couple of managers in that shouldn't have been there. Personally, that's my thought of it. You know, and. Mm. You know, when you get these managers in, they bring all their own people and then they all start talking their own language, and it becomes difficult you know, really difficult. Um, and I think that was one of the reasons as well. And then I think the biggest reason was now Quinn leaving. I think if now Quinn had stayed, I think they'd be still in the championship, you'd be up that way, you know, they'd be back into uh, there, thereabouts. But um, for me, he was a rock at the club, you could go and speak to him, he was always accessible, he, he, he loved the flying fans, he was always available to him. And I think when he left, for me, he was a great chairman. You know, he's a fantastic chairman and he, um, he loved the club. He loved the city. You know, he spent a lot of time in Sunderland rather than being at home. And from my point of view, when he left, I think I was a big minus for Sunderland Football Club.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. It definitely, definitely started a change after that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's been difficult for anyone to watch football over the, the last eighty months and travel around. But uh, and you said you you were kind of you've made a a, a trip to Sunland since. But um, I mean now things have opened up a bit more. I mean, we fancy making a kind of a few trips up to see a few games in at the stage of life. Yeah, I'll probably
1: Bally. <laughs> probably Bally. <laughs> the infrastructure is there. There's everything there, like a lovely ground and a fantastic training ground. I don't know that they want but it seems a, it seems to be a lovely block, you know. And he's mm. got these ideas, and the manager's good, please good, and I think they'll go up this year. When you know, and I think the championship, then they, they obviously have to adapt to that. So that may be buying more players and things like that. But they'll get the crowds, you know. And I think the Sunderland fans have have been through hell. And they always go through hell, and they've always been through hell. And mm. They always come back rejoicing. You
0: know, I do think that. Yeah, you say, well, the new owner certainly makes me feel old, having an owner who's only 22. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, that's a that's a different talking point uh, altogether. But uh, but yeah, it'd be great to see you at the stadium yeah. and hopefully you can pay us a visit at some point. But on that note, I just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about your, your career, Ricky. Uh, and thank you very much for, for taking the time out for us. We really appreciate it. No problem it.
1: at all, Chris. It was the joy. I loved it. I'll, I'll go back to my glass of wine now.
0: it's been absolutely fantastic and thanks again thank you again for everyone out there who's listening hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and keep a look out at all the usual places for our next pod dropping subscribe and like and all of that sort of stuff but from us, it's bye for now